Good evening, good evening, good evening, America, friends, Romans, countrymen, everyone around the world and in this country. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sea Report on a brand new week, coming to you live on this Monday, June 13th, 2022. I hope you guys are ready for a jam-packed show tonight. Uh, as we uh, bring to you a bit of more news, headlines, current events, stories from around the country. And uh, make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, we will definitely be focusing on stories from around the country today. We have had quite a busy, busy day uh, over here at the C Studios. Got a lot of stuff going on, coming on a little bit later than we normally do per our um, normal scheduled hours <laughs> not that our nor our hours are normal nor are they scheduled but uh indeed ladies and gentlemen coming just a little bit in late and the ninth hour here um um in uh, texas time anyways uh, to bring you guys today's report man talk about a busy weekend talk about a busy week uh, she's never know what you're going to get whenever you, uh, pierce into the headlines, um, uh, come Monday morning or afternoon, however you'd like to do, do define the start of your day, America. Uh, but boy, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff going on. You know, we had, uh, part two of the, um, January 6th unselect committee hearing on into the false flag Capitol riots, uh, occurred this morning, uh, Early in the wee hours of the morning, you know, and I had actually heard that they were going to be on the weekend. Maybe that's the third one that's going to be like on a Saturday morning because like what my understanding was is that the uh, Democrats wanted to attack Saturday morning cartoons for all the children. Uh, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, guys, if you have followed this uh, J6 Unselect Committee show trial, uh, is that uh, I dare say that the parents and the grandparents and the babysitters and the caretakers of all of those children uh, would probably be watching the Saturday morning cartoons with the, with them instead of tuning into this uh, show sham trial. Uh, I think it's safe to say, ladies and gentlemen, that's probably why the January 6th committee chose not to do it on a Saturday morning, ladies and gentlemen, because Lord knows Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse and Daffy Duck and all those other uh, cartoons from a long forgotten era would have beat them in the ratings, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Well, indeed, you know, uh, the ratings uh, for this show trial were basically what we would have expected, I guess you could say. No one in America is paying attention to it. No one in America cares about what these people are trying to do, the proceedings that they're trying to bring against um, a president whom, uh, to at least the perspective of uh, many sleeping Americans, is not even in office anymore. Uh, thank goodness for the J6 Unselect Committee. Most Americans have absolutely no concept of what this type of a show sham trial is costing them or uh, what kind of an image it's giving to the world about our country. Thank goodness for them that most sleeping Americans just don't give a damn about uh, anything that is um, outside of their normal day and living. And uh, right about now, they're more concerned about gas, they're more concerned about money, food, bills, and they are also more concerned about uh, baby formula. 
And that stuff, they're probably more concerned about the gay soldiers in Ukraine getting uh, picked off by the Russians who are going to throw them off of a building after chopping off their head and uh, uh, castrating them, ladies and gentlemen, because that is what sleeping Americans believe. And for all of the above, there is nothing further from the truth. False, 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 falsehoods, falsities, lies, deception, deceiving. That is what we are facing today in America, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why it's great to be a part, you know, of a community of uh, truth tellers and awake Americans. It's great to be able to uh, bring a show such as this to your uh, computer screen or your TV screen or wherever you might be listening to us or watching us, even on your podcasting platforms. And uh, at least in part, share some thing more um, more familiar with what is called accurate truth or accurate knowledge or uh, honest reporting. You know, I mean, we are a little biased here at the Sea Report, but let's just face it. Who would not be biased for the truth, ladies and gentlemen? So, uh, as we get into tonight's report, and it's a jam-packed report, uh, we will touch a little bit on some of the highlights of this J6 Unselect Committee hearing. Uh, We did not air it this morning. We didn't broadcast it. I mean, you know, I figured, eh, it'll be okay if I sleep through this one. And I did. And I did. Uh, But uh, we'll have some highlights. You know, uh, today's um, segment of this uh, unselect hearing, uh, it was uh, focusing primarily on, if not totally on, I guess that the title of this chapter would have been Donald Trump claimed there was fraud and we have all the proof there wasn't, right? And because that's exactly the kind of clickbait chapter title that you would want to put out there. So that this way, all of your drones would just like zoom in to that phone call, ladies and gentlemen, and want to find out all the dirty details. Well, you know, their dirty details were pretty much phoned in. They were pretty much eh, surface, you know, surface quality. And that's not saying much about the uh, quality of the surface that these uh, unselect committee men uh, eat their food off of. Uh, so yeah, that, that's basically what we were looking at today. Um, we had uh, Bill Barr making an appearance. You know, it's like I said the last time we talked about Billiam Barr, you know, is that uh, if there is some master plan to prove that uh, Bill Barr was actually a white hat and on the right side of history, man, he and Trump are playing quite... The masterful role, masterful roles. They're uh, pretty much uh, fooling everyone into believing that Bill Barr is really a bad guy, and then at the end of the movie, he's supposed to turn out to be a good guy. I don't know, guys. I don't know, guys. You guys know how I feel about Bill Barr. Myself, uh, you know, uh, I've expressed it many, many times here at the Sea Report. Now, when we're talking about someone like Director Ray, that's a different story, you know. Or you know, I don't know. Um, who else could we use as an example? Hmm, I don't know. Not many other people could I say. Possibly they're playing the bad guy just to be the good guy in the end and fool everybody. Uh, yeah, the separation of uh, President Trump from Sidney Powell. How about that? That's one that took a whole bunch of um, a, bu- a bunch of awake Americans or, you know, those of us who are paying attention to these stories like, wow, President Trump sure did put a lot of gap space between he and Sidney Powell. What's up with that? I would say maybe that one, you know, that that light shining on in between them. 
Well, there you go, guys. There you go, guys. I would say that is a play. You know, I would say that's a play. But then again, what do I know? I mean, I read and uh, hear so many different stories about all of those occurrences between uh, the actual facts, between the uh, intentional disinformation, and in between the unintentional misinformation or the um, um, the uh, misdirectional information coming from both the good side and the bad side. How on earth are we supposed to figure out what the heck is going on here, guys? Well, you know, I don't need to say it. Y'all don't need to hear it. But we do know about that one mechanism that has been given to us by God, and that is discernment, ladies and gentlemen. And so that is what we'll have to rely on for the time being, along with a diligent uh, scope of view into uh, the stories, the headlines, and just trying to get underneath and in between the lines of what it is that we are reading, hearing, seeing, and uh, being told to believe. And, uh, well, let's not forget choosing to believe as well. So, yep, we'll uh, we'll recap today's hearing, ladies and gentlemen. And then we're going to get straight into a bunch of elect- election integrity and fraud news. You know, I swear today, whenever I started to get into today's report, I kind of felt like I had woken up in a brand new universe. I was like, I must be in a brand new timeline. I had all of these stories. It's like, you know, whenever you, um, I don't know, you just... Uh, you, you pick the right door to go through, and on the other side of that door, it's like all of this uh, information or all of these items, all these things you never knew about, heard about, was told about, was privy to or aware of, just open up to you. So apparently today I opened up the right door, and I found this entire backlog of stories and reports about uh, election integrity matters. Um, that I had not been aware of before. And, you know, I kind of felt like uh, that time that I was off the air because I was ill. You know, when you're not able to pay attention to the things that you normally do, uh, when you get back into it, you feel like you left so much behind and, you know, there's so much that you missed. It's kind of how I felt. But I've been on the air here, you know, uh, the entire time most of these stories were going on. And I'm wondering, like, where the heck did all of this come from? Uh, Did the universe just generate all of a sudden some brand new stories and uh, backfill information that I was not able to see before? And why am I able to see it now when I couldn't then? Well, I parsed through a lot of that information. A lot of the information, uh, not a lot of it, I'd say most of it was stuff that, you know, I've covered here. Uh, but then again, a lot of the stuff I was like, oh, I didn't know about this point, And oh, I didn't know so-and-so was doing that. And oh, I didn't know this state was doing that. And so uh, there's a lot, there was a lot of information I found uh, early on today. And uh, well, we won't be covering every single bit of piece of information that we found. I think I might have gotten just a little bit, uh, how would you say? Uh, I, I got a little bit um, um, overexcited, uh, you know, um, uh, about everything I was finding. So I might have gotten a little, uh, let's say, uh, a, a little bit um, uh, too enthusiastic for tonight's report. So uh, I know we'll be here for at least the next two hours, um, but we might be pulling three tonight for sure. Uh, simply because there's a lot of stuff I want to go over with you guys. Uh, A lot of uh, information I was not able to locate before, but then, you know, it came to me today. So we'll get to talk about that a little bit. Um, It it, it almost feels like when I was going through all of this information, y'all, I was like, wow, um, 
we're on it more than we might realize. Like, uh, we're talking like several, several articles uh, talking about um, different states, different communities, different people's fights against uh, election fraud, you know, and against what happened in 2020, uh, and also against and exposing uh, what is going on in the 2022 primary elections, you know. Uh, we haven't even gotten to the midterms yet, y'all. We have not gotten to the midterms yet, and I would have to say the catalyst for this was actually uh, New Mexico, Otero County, New Mexico, ladies and gentlemen, where we know they are the most recent state to have an audit of their election. And there is a lot of stuff going down in New Mexico right now, guys, like, uh, you know, Sleepy Town, New Mexico, Santa Fe, you know, all those places. Doesn't seem like there would be a whole lot going on over there. They were definitely not on the map for the most contentious states that had, um, you know, um, uh, uh, discrepancies in the 2020 election. I, I dare say that just like Colorado, you know, uh, New Mexico was nowhere. I mean, you probably would have ranked them towards the bottom of that list. You know, all things went as planned, you know, like uh, like Texas, right? Like Florida, like, uh, you know, I mean, granted, we didn't have an overall win for Trump there, but... There was nothing to be concerned of. And particularly particularly when we're thinking about how um, Otero County itself was a county that voted for Trump, and yet they still decided to have an audit. And what did we find? What did we find? Uh, we found some very interesting information. And uh, a lot of that information corroborated and verified um, exactly what we saw in other um, states and counties that had audited their elections as well. Uh, but as I'm saying, the main catalyst for all of these discoveries came from Otero County. Um, I'm going to put on the screen right now, um, well, there is the crreport.com. Now, uh, the reason why I bring this up, guys, is because um, today I published an article um, on the website that I think um, is... Uh, well, I guess that's what was that is what was driving it to begin with. But uh, let's go ahead and look at it. We're not going to read it. I just want to show it to you guys because this was a very, very, very important issue that was exposed in Otero County, California. I mean, sorry, why did I say California? In Otero County, New Mexico, that needs to be addressed. Okay, this needs to be addressed like so hard, ladies and gentlemen, because not only did they find, of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, the canvassing that had bad numbers, um, a lot of lack of chain of custody, okay, um, a collusion between the Secretary of State and NGOs and Democrat operatives, okay, missing election data that had been erased, um, using the same Dominion machines that have been found to have uh, hackability as well as manipulation tendencies as well as the ability to print out votes as well as the ability to be accessed remotely without even notifying the owners of its um, its uh, status of being on. I mean, there's so many things that came out of this, guys, out of Otero County. And I might add the impetus behind what they have done in Otero County is driving more states and more counties to do the same. For example, before I share you, with you this article, um, the New Mexico Secretary of State, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver, 
okay, who, along with her uh, DAs and her AG and her governor, put up a whole big fight against Otero County commissioners uh, to um, go ahead and move on and go along with this audit, okay, uh, may have just discovered may have just discovered that Otero County was actually a distraction because it wasn't just Otero County that has been doing an audit of their election. Eight other counties in New Mexico simultaneously doing audits of their elections. And you did not hear about it because, well, uh, I guess, you know, the legacy media decided to shine a spotlight on Otero County because one of their commissioners, uh, his name was Coy. I don't remember his last name, but first name Coy. Um, he actually was, um, um, he came under fire and was arrested on these charges. So he was already in the spotlight. And uh, I guess because of that, they were watching his uh, commissioners um, board, seeing what they're up to. And well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. So we got a stew going on in uh, New Mexico uh, about eight other audits happening in the state. Otero County did officially um, vote to drop Dominion voting machines. And from what I understand, it sounds like most of the counties in New Mexico are moving to do the same thing. Uh, at the same time, um, a Professor Dr. Um, um, David Clements, who hosted the um, audit hearing on behalf of uh, New Mexico Audit Force, um, has been giving presentations across the counties in New Mexico. I think he's held about three or four um, commissioner hearings. Okay, so, um, or presentations for the commissioner's meetings. So there's a big fire brewing in New Mexico, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I, it kind of looks like New Mexico might be the first state statewide to eliminate Dominion voting machines where we've had, uh, you know, counties in Tennessee and in other states vote to remove Dominion voting machines. It looks like uh, New Mexico might be the first to be a state as an entirety to do that. Now, I don't want to jump the gun on that, but that seems to be the trajectory based on everything that I was reading today. Now, uh, getting back to this main issue here, again, I posted this article at thecreport.com, original content, uh, based on uh, the findings of the Otero County um, election audit. Now, I got to say, guys, I got to say, you know, what we found in this audit uh, was extremely egregious. I think aside from all of the other information that absolutely mirrors what we have seen in other audits across the country, uh, we saw indisputable evidence of collusion between the Secretary of State's office, the highest office of elected official, um, for elections in that state, colluding with Democrat operatives, one of which was actually a candidate on the ballot for that same election, as well as NGO entities um, to what? What were they doing? Well, you know, as I wrote here in this article, it was definitely about um, um, data manipulation. OK, and there's evidence to suggest that. And, you know, if it's not evidence that's hard enough to take on fact and make indictments, well, it is definitely um, evidence that should support a testimony under oath and questioning by such entities as Maggie Toulouse um, Oliver, as well as uh, the other two entities that were involved in this data manipulation 
uh, both of which are Democrat operatives. So, you know, but that's not the big issue here. For me, at least, it's not the big issue. Uh, the issue of the collusion specifically identifies systemic fraud within the elected official's office. Okay, that is a big issue because, again, uh, we may not be lucky enough to get all of the communications between secretaries of state, etc., 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 although there is some brand new information coming out about Bradford Raffensperger of Georgia, the secretary of state there, um, colluding with other states, including Washington state, which is Democrat, uh, regarding how they were going to be handling the onslaught of... Um, the onslaught of press and media attention that they were getting in Georgia due to President Trump's uh, perfect phone call with Bradford Raffensperger and uh, how these Democrats wanted to support Bradford, uh, the Republican Secretary of Snakes in Georgia. So we're already, okay, and then the right, that right there is already showing you guys uniparty tendencies, you know, behind the scenes when the cameras are off, uh, hanging out and palling around with each other, these uh, Democrats and Republicans. And, you know, I I'm not going to sit here and talk to you guys about rhinos and Republicans again. You know, that conversation, we're done with that. You know, it's up to you guys to decide how you feel about that. I'm not here to influence. I'm only here to inform. Uh, but, you know, we're not so fortunate to always get those communications. You know, in the um, case of Maggie Toulouse Oliver, Secretary of State of New Mexico, they got the communications. OK, but for me, the big issue was this, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, New Mexico election audit reveals an illegal ballot drop box, okay? That is huge. And, of course, we have the images right there. If you guys remember our coverage of the uh, Otero County, New Mexico audit, then you might recognize the picture here. Uh, well, I, say, I should say both pictures, one being the dump bin for the ballots and two being the, uh, well, being the, the ballots filled to the brim of this dump bin, okay? Uh, so moving right along down past the end of this article, you know, we see what actually prompted um, Aaron Clements to do um, an investigation and include this as part of the, um, uh, the Otero County Commissioner's hearing into... Uh, um, election fraud. And that was uh, merely the fact that when uh, they were doing an investigation into the chain of custody for the absentee ballots, as the chart here uh, suggests, and this clearly reminds us of what? Of Biden's uh, fraudulent jump in the graphs, right? Uh, we have the dark line representing the cumulative number of ballots that were received by the clerk's office. And the lighter uh, shaded line here shows a cumulative number of ballots that were being placed on the absentee transfer board for, um, for processing. So one would have to ask the question, well, why is it that the number of ballots being received by the clerk's office for absentee votes is much lower than what is being transferred to the board, right? Another graph here shows, uh, again, uh, by date... By date, the number of ballots being received by the clerk's office versus the number of what was being transferred over. And of course, uh, again, that was because this ballot drop box, which was not official, which was not included on the list of official ballot drop boxes for the state, for the county 
um, in New Mexico. And keep in mind, guys, this was not in Otero County, okay? This ballot dump box, which was unofficial, was found in Dona Ana County, or Dona Ana County, if you want to say it's like the fluently Spanish way, Dona Ana County, New Mexico, which is the county center for the city of Santa Fe. Santa Fe, of course, being 100% liberal and very, very leftist. Well, Donania County, um, um, uh, New Mexico, um, this dump bin was found. This dump bin was found at the county's warehouse. And we actually, I can actually give you more detail on that. Printed on the, on the face of this um, dump bin. Drop off box for Donania County's clerk's office. Estimated to have between 3,000 and 5,000 absentee ballots contained inside this drop box at capacity. Now, you'll want to keep in mind why this is an issue. Of course, obviously, this is an issue because it is not official. It's not on the maps. People should not even know why it's there and it should not even exist. And yet we find it brimming with ballots. Okay. Now, a review of the chain of custody, or I should say lack of chain of custody in Otero County, New Mexico, will reveal that there was eight 1,196 ballots that lacked a chain of custody, okay? 8,196 ballots lacked a chain of custody, okay? In Donania County, New Mexico alone, all right? Big issue, big issue, because you will have fact checkers who will say this, and this is exactly the same thing that the Otero County clerk was fighting against Erin Clements during the hearing. She was that one lady that kept speaking up. Yeah, but you know, we, we. how do you know that those numbers you're showing us aren't just your own? How do we know that they're not made up? And when um, when Erin Clements specifically addressed this drop box in Donania County, that clerk said, um, but yeah, but this was probably just used to store the ballots. Okay, now, Aaron Clement's response to that was, well, she kind of like hesitated and she said there is no excuse for 8,000 ballots to lack a chain of custody whatsoever, to which I would totally agree with, but to which I would also add, it is extremely and irrefutably unlawful to store ballots in an insecure location with no surveillance protection. We all know how they store the ballots. They put them in boxes or they put them in, in steel boxes, they seal them and they lock them away. And you have this dump bin sitting out behind a warehouse with no surveillance, no cameras, no security, just sitting out there willy-nilly and at the mercy of the elements, ladies and gentlemen, to boot, uh, you know, uh, is this really how you would store an excessive amount of ballots or is this really where you would, uh, where you would stuff a ballot box in order to give yourself an advantage? Now, as I wrap up this one particular alert, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Clements did uh, submit an open request, um, a form for records, public records, to Donania County's county clerk office. And this is how they responded. Okay. 
Uh, it says, please find the response to your April 29th, 2022 inspection of public records request below. One, please provide the surveillance footage, which was covering the box labeled drop off box for Donanya County Clerk's office, which placed which was placed at the corner of the Donanya County Bureau of Elections warehouse. During the 2020 election, I am requesting the footage beginning October 7th through November 4th, 2020. This was not an official election drop box, and there are no chain of custody documents for it, yet it was photographed in mid-October as being stuffed full of ballots. Based on the dimensions of the box, it is estimated to the box held at least 5,000 ballots. The response of Donania County Clerk's Office was this. There are no responsive documents to surveillance footage, which was covering the box labeled drop off box for Donania County Clerk's Office, which was placed at the corner of the Donania County Bureau of Elections warehouse during the 2020 election. Please note, this was not a secured container as defined by uh, New Mexico state um, uh, law. Um, well, that's probably a uh, New Mexico state. Uh, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to guess NM, NMSA um, SS169. OK, so here Donania County Clerk's Office clearly acknowledges the fact that not only was this an unofficial drop box, but it was not secured per state law. Uh, another request, please provide any and all documentation, internal communications, etc., showing how those ballots were handled when they were discovered. Their response was, there are no responsive documents to any and all documentation, internal communication, etc., showing how those ballots were handled when they were discovered. We consider your request satisfied and we'll close it out in record book. So there's also an admittance of no, no uh, rules, no uh, guidance of how this drop box in particular should be handled, nor is there any documentation for the chain of custody. Okay, this is a huge issue, guys, huge issue. And there is absolutely no reason why any state legislator, any state law enforcement officer or any state investigator should not be taking this up, ladies and gentlemen. 8,000 plus um, ballots with no chain of custody documentation, which affected the um, which affected the races for both Otero County and Donania County, New Mexico. It needs there needs to be accountability here. Uh, and there needs to be uh, some type of uh, some type of movement in regards to this unlawful ballot box and this obvious and overt, overt um, fraud that occurred in New Mexico. And uh, uh, to be frank, you know, no, <laughs> there are no other articles about this out there, ladies and gentlemen. So I had to write one myself. Because no one has, I mean, it's huge. There's so much election integrity fraud stuff happening. There's so much movement happening there right now. You know, it's easy to see why we have Roe v. Wade because it's distracting all the lefties from this information getting out. It's easy to see why we have the J6 Unselect Committee happening right now because it is distracting the Democrats' base from all of this information that's flooding out of no 
nowhere. I mean, we have had, you know, even even somewhat mainstream legacy sites that are starting to filter this into their news, okay, into their headlines. You know, whether it's about New Mexico or whether it's about um, what's happening in Georgia, you know, right now, as that is also an active um, crime scene, just as New Mexico is, for the theft of elections and for the breaking of election laws, federal and state, it's starting to drip out, guys. It's starting to drip out, you know, and it's been a drip drip, but it is starting to happen. It is starting to happen. And there's a lot more developing, guys. There's a lot more developing, especially when we're talking about the uh, true the vote investigation with the ballot trafficking and the uh, the ripping of the cord, as it were. There's a lot more happening, y'all. There's a lot more happening. But uh, that uh, is actually... This is part of the reason why I'm on so late tonight, guys, because I had to get this finished and published today. I'm working on some other articles for thecreport.com, uh, in addition to a lot of other back work that I've been taking care of, including finishing up one of the new channels that um, Mr. CTV and the Sea Report will be on. It's looking quite peachy, and uh, I think we'll be ready for launch date, whenever that might happen to be. I'll let y'all know. Okay, I'll let y'all know. Now. Ah. Uh, I think it's time to get into today's report, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, before we do that, we'll have a few words from President Trump, some statements he made. But as well, as always, let me go ahead and jump into a chat room real quick, guys. We have Java in the house. What's going on, buddy? Good to see you, sir. Rail Anon also uh, joining us today. 117 gold pills strong. Thank you so much for that, Java. The, uh, we have... Uh, Deplora Laura over there in uh, Twitch, if she's still hanging out. Thanks for being with us tonight, sweetie, and good to see you over there holding on the light, as always. And uh, oh, oh, and and with company as well. Awesomeness, great, great to have you along. And that's the way to do it, Deplora Laura. Bring your friends, bring your friends, bring your family, and uh, you know, um, st have them stay with us while we share this information. We're going to be doing a lot of election work tonight, guys. A lot of election work. Aurelius Locke is uh, hanging out as well. Good evening, Aurelius. Good to see you in the audience, my friend. Glad that you are joining us this evening. Uh, Java says, uh, Will, Bill Barr is unbarrable, which I have to agree with you on that one. We'll talk about him a little bit more later on tonight. Um, and uh, particularly because of his performance. And I do mean it when I say performance regarding today's uh, unselect committee hearing. Um, um, uh, Aurelius Locke is still on the fence. He says, I don't know what I, I don't know what I don't know, but when I do know, I'll let you know. Hey, th that's pretty wise right there, Mr. Aurelius Locke, to say such things. Uh, Sir Lurksalot is in the house. I want to know what you will know now. <laughs> and, uh, know what I mean? Okay, you guys, y'all are having a fun time in there either. So anyhow, very good, very good. Good to see you, Sir Lurksalot. Uh, any relationship to Sir uh, Mix-a-Lot? I don't know. Uh, anyhow, so uh, as long as there's no relation to Sir Project Camelot, well, I'm good. Anyways, uh, you guys are silly. Good to have you guys in here. The Uniparty needs to hurry up, boot Trump out of the GOP, and run impeachment v uh, version 3. Ex you know, I'm right there with you. You know, people would be like, what? What do you mean you, you want the GOP to kick Trump out? What? What do you mean they want to run impeachment, uh, you know, um, version 3? Well, absolutely, guys. Because uh, after all, uh, Trump running as a third party, stealing everyone away from uh, the Uniparty, whether they're Democrat or Republican, I think is a pretty handsome and a pretty uh, a pretty uh, final way to uh, refute 
the machinations, the treason, the deception, the betrayal of these individuals um, who have been scheming against America, ladies and gentlemen. I see I'm frozen over there on the screen. Uh, give it a second. Yeah, I'll be back. Okay, anyways, I'm back. All right. Uh, let's see here. No, it was not Koi Pond. It was Koi Griffin was actually his name. Koi Griffin or Koi Griffith uh, is the name of the commissioner, uh, the Trump supporter who came under fire. Uh, hey, Tam Growl, what's going on? Almost missed you. No, you didn't almost miss me unless you almost went to bed. I'm just on late tonight, guys. Had a very busy day. Very, very busy day. A lot of back work, website building, article uh, completing and uh, report creating. Kept my hands tied. Uh, Blonde Blue Lady Q, good to see you in the audience. Uh, glad for you to join us and thank you for gifting the can. I uh, hope you enjoyed tonight's report. Um, and uh, yes, every place should remove Dominion. I think that's going to become the mantra um, moving forward and uh, coming up, Java, because let me tell you what, uh, the J. Alexander Halderman report uh, and the CISA um, um, cop-out report, well, no, their report was accurate. It's just their findings that were cop-out is putting a lot of, uh, a lot of pressure on, um, you know, uh, election boards and on politicians, even though they found no evidence supposedly of election fraud in 2020 by way of a vulnerable voting machine, it's still putting a lot of pressure on um, lawmakers and election overseers, as well as Dominion itself, you know, as well as Dominion itself. Uh, let's see what else is here before we move into the... Um, we won't be talking about Stanky Abrams tonight. No. Mm -hmm. I drove through the Abrams Gap earlier today. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny, Mr. Aurelius. Oh, and Sir Lurks a Lot. The gap is big enough to drive through. Oh, you can fit a whole lot more than a car through that gap. Let me tell you what. Uh, let's see here. It's a gap to rival Madonna's fake gap, right? Anyhow, anyhow. Uh, let's see here. Um, Sir Lurks a Lot is a passive aggressive watcher troll. Yep. And uh, let's see here. <laughs> Probably another content creator hater at right. Yeah. Go, 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 go man your own show. Okay. We don't need you around here. <laughs> mm. Okay. Let's see here. Um, yeah, I call out jackasses like that. I don't care. Go get, just get out of my audience. Right. Yeah. And, uh, let's see here. What else do we, I think we're good. Oh, oh. And then he gives me a cookie. Damn it. Anyhow, anyhow, I don't know. You, you know, you come off, people like that come off very passive aggressive. I, I don't know who they're talking to. Maybe someone else was watching the view. I have no idea. It wasn't me. All I know is, uh, I didn't take my time. I was rushing throughout the day. Uh, but yeah, yeah, my defenses run high over here at the Sea Report. They run high. So uh, don't mind me. And uh, thank you for pacifying me with the cookie. I appreciate it. Okay, so let's get into today's report. We'll start off with a few words from the president. That, of course, would be one President Donald Trump. All right. And uh, here we go. Let's get this rolling. 
Uh, oh, first, first comment is addressing the ratings over here uh, about the Unselect Committee's uh, TV viewership. Now, just as we might have thought, and I know I was extremely curious exactly how many people would be watching this hearing because they moved it into prime time for the very reason that they wanted the highest viewership that they could possibly muster up, right? Well, I dare say that America during prime time for this hearing found two hours where they were outside enjoying life, where they were playing with their children and enjoying their company, where they were catching up on uh, projects and homework and, and business things that they hadn't had the time to before. For two hours on that day, America was unchained from the television, or at least it would appear... <laughs> If not, they were watching shows like this, which were covering the hearing. Uh, really bad ratings, TV ratings for the unselect committee. Only 19 million for at least 12 networks. Far lower than anticipated. I guess the American people don't want to see one-sided witch hunts. Besides, they know what happened with the election. Now, I gotta say 19 million is far higher than anything I've read, but at the same time, it was only a coverage of, I think, three or four stations, but across, what was that, 12 networks. Yeah, that is, a, I guess that would be a considerably low number, an extremely low number, actually, considering the amount of people that live in this country alone. All right, considering the amount of people that supposedly voted for Biden, right? So out of 81 supposed voters, which we all know was like more like 81 uh, unlawful ballots, only 19 million of those watched. That actually, in that perspective, yeah, that is pretty bad, right? Mm -hmm. For the first time in decades, Wall Street and Main Street are converging. The people of both are extraordinarily unhappy. And of course, you know, we know that Main Street has been extraordinarily unhappy for quite some time underneath this regime that is known as uh, the Biden Revolution. <laughs> But, uh, you know, uh, the Dow, right, the stock market it closed down and it's been down, you know, uh, for quite some time. But I think um, I think uh, I don't know the name of that guy that keeps on cajoling the press secretaries uh, for the Biden regime. Uh, but he pointed out today that um, with the market closing down, uh, every single record that they had made uh, during Trump's administration, every every gain that they had made was currently wiped out. Okay. So uh, I could imagine that Wall Street is not happy right now. And uh, I just can't imagine how they don't figure that they are in part to blame for that, you know, because a lot of those big business type uh, people, CEOs, and even uh, the people who work on the uh, rim of that, uh, whether they're union people or not, all played a part in uh, covering up and being complicit to the theft of the 2020 election. You know, I mean, per themselves, they're the ones who admitted it in that article in Time Magazine back in February of 2021. I didn't make up that story. No, they did. Okay. Uh, hopefully Alaska will get out today and vote for Sarah Palin in the special primary. She is a great person who will never let you down. Never let me down again, 
Sarah Palin? Uh, well, you know, as some of y'all might know, yeah, as it turns out, this was a special election held over the weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but as of today, Sarah Palin is the victor and will go on to face uh, her opponent in the midterm. So it looks like we might get another round of Sarah Palin in Congress. That should be fun. All right, uh, here we have something about uh, Bill Barr, the unbarrable. It says, uh, former AG Bill Barr, a rhino if there ever was one, did not have the courage or stamina to go after voter fraud, was afraid he was going to be impeached. Uh, here's a contradiction in terms, no guts. <laughs> Bill Barr is all guts anyways, uh, or I should say all gut. No guts, no glory. All right. Uh, a series of short statements from President Trump in this hour, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, Bill Barr's all gut. <laughs> and yet somehow has no guts. Right. And he wants to hog all the glory. Oh, let's see. Here's another statement about the ratings, the TV ratings for this uh, shim-sham flam of a hearing. It says this. The TV ratings for the January 6th Unselect Committee were absolutely awful. Perhaps the reason is that it is being sponsored by Adam Shifty Schiff and the same people that brought you the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. And the Unselects are not interested in hearing from anyone saying the election was rigged and stolen, despite the evidence being irrefutable. So, you know, one would have to wonder if one cares to waste their time pondering these musings is why is it that none of the Democrats, it seems, or their base, unless they're totally engaged in fighting for the losing team, um, how come no one's watching it, you know? I think I saw, I think I saw like a man on the streets type of thing that was asking people about if they were going to be tuned into the hearing. And, uh, oh, you know, it, I did not see it. I heard, I read a report about it. In fact, it was, um, you know, uh, we chose to broadcast or live stream or share stream the PBS's version of the uh, Shim Sham hearing on day one. You guys remember? Uh, I, I chose PBS, right? Since since I damn pay for PBS and, and they they use my money against me, I figured I would utilize their broadcast uh, as some type of a recompense right, for the uh, the taxpayer money that I waste on their crap, right? So it was, it was, uh, it was the, it was the host of the pre-show. Uh, someone kept saying her name. I don't know her name. I don't care. I don't even remember what she looks like. All I know is she had uh, wiry, uh, fake blonde hair, right? And she was like as, as old as the hills and, and was still trying to act young. That's all I remember. She had gone into DC and was asking you know, the people on the streets questions, you know, and one of her questions was, will you be tuned in to tonight's um, uh, historic hearing happening in DC? And the response she got was what hearing? <laughs> low information. Can you say low information? So I think that uh, perhaps no one is watching, of course, MSNBC and CNN and Fox News. And so none of them knew that this hearing was going on. And that seems to be the case most of the time. 
that uh, their their base and their voters don't watch their propaganda shows, and so they don't even know it's happening. Now, you know, uh, CNN and the likes of CNN and, and MSDNC have been, have spent no time or energy wasted, okay, in in talking up this hearing and in talking up, you know, the the perils that uh, President Trump put this country in because of his supposed his supposed instigation of this um, this false flag riot. Well, we all know for a fact that it had nothing to do with what President Trump's purview was, but it had everything to do with the fact that you had you had operatives and you had this entire uh, this entire coordination to create this riot and then for it to be propagandized and to be told to the public that it was in fact insurrectionists and patriots and militiamen uh, and 1.5 million Americans who came after Mike Pence that day, right? And all 1.7 to 2 million of us were there to grab Mike Pence by his thick rhino neck and string him up on an art installation in the middle of the Capitol grounds. Right, you know? Now, I would dare say if 1.7 to 2 million Americans actually showed up to storm the Capitol, to stop the proceedings of the Electoral Count, and to wring Mike Pence by his neck, there is no way in hell that those senators would have made it out of the Capitol that day, okay? Because 1.7 million American battering ram, okay, would not have stopped with the shooting of Ashley Babbitt, okay? And that just goes to show you all of the operatives that were at the head of that. No, they didn't, they didn't care to bust down the door, right? Because they didn't have 1.7 genuine, organic Americans behind them. It was just them and their party and a few other Americans. And I say a few, but you, you know, it's more than a handful. Obviously, everyone's excited. You probably have like 200 operatives at the front of this thing. And then you have like, you know, uh, dozens and dozens of uh, patriots that just, oh, well, they opened up the door. Let's go do it. We're caught up in the moment. We're encouraged. We're enthused. Let's go follow these people. But they weren't the ones who were busting down and breaking down the windows. They weren't the ones. No, they were the ones that were allowed in when the security guards opened the doors, right? When they unlocked the magnetic locks, they were the ones who were taking pictures in the Capitol, right? They weren't the ones who were running away with podiums and uh, computers from Nancy Pelosi's office. No, those were the operatives, okay? That was Baked Alaska. That was the uh, the, the Q Shamanon man. And that was uh, the FBI agents and uh, the Capitol Police undercover plainclothes people who have all been discovered. It was the Nazi freak from Ukraine who we don't we still don't know what the heck he was doing there other than the fact that he might have been, you know, uh, had some experience with coordinating insurrections and false flags and uh, colored revolutions, right? Uh, so, you know, those were the characters, you know, Ray, Ray Epps, right, who's been filmed, you know, uh, in, in a, a quantitative uh, expedient amount of footage, ladies and gentlemen, which, you know, that impressive phrase right there just goes to show how impressive the footage was that we have of Ray Epps, you know, and everyone else, um, identified or not, they are the reasons why there was a riot at the Capitol. And that is the reason why I call it a false flag. It was coordinated. It had a bunch of agents on the ground working in conjunction with paid off BLM and Antifa people 
all of them there just to paint the picture that Donald Trump incited 1.7 to 2 million Americans into a violent riot. And yet I walked home without a scratch, ladies and gentlemen. And so did everyone else, along with their children, along with their babies, along with their loved ones, along with their neighbors and brothers and sisters, all coming together on that day, Wednesday, January 6, 2021. And yet these people would have you believe that this was a real insurrection. Mm -hmm. Not even a fire was started, right? All of the smoke, all of the gunshots, cannons, all of that flashing stuff came from none other than, uh, you know, the Capitol Police themselves, who were severely outnumbered for a... Uh, they were severely outnumbered for a docile and pacific crowd, ladies and gentlemen. A docile and pacific crowd. Mm-hmm. So anyways, guys... Let's see what President Trump had to say. Did I read this yet? Oh, yeah, I did. Russia, Russia, Russia hoax irrefutable evidence of a stolen and rigged, rigged election. That's why we were there, uh, because it was obvious, rather obvious, that our election was stolen on November 3, 2020. Here's another one about ratings. Uh, President Trump says, wow, CNN ratings have absolutely cratered, not even tanked, right? <laughs> not even, they have cratered, ladies and gentlemen. While MSDNC is doing very badly, not enough positive Trump stories, I guess. You know, people want to go where the good news is. Uh, but more specifically to uh, Trump's, uh, <laughs> to President Trump's point, uh, like it or not, um, he is a ratings man, right? He is a ratings man. The stock markets are literally crashing. There was no reason for this. All self-inflicted. That's why I say, guys, you know, Wall Street can be angry, but they are responsible for their own demise, okay? They are now what you call the, um, the uh, much-cajoled high school slasher, right? Sorry, guys, I realize that I keep freezing out here. You know, I guess uh, someone is throttling, throttling my Wi-Fi, okay? Someone is throttling my Wi-Fi. I'm sure it's not uh, Sir Lurks a lot. Okay, so, okay, uh, let's see here. All right, well, that wraps it up for our um, presidential remarks today. At the start of today's show, let me go ahead and jump into the chat room one last time uh, as our clock winds down. And uh, we go into our number two and into today's report, okay? Egg salad. Sean Joe, thank you for gifting the cookie. Much appreciated. That's right. That's right. You said it. You said it. <laughs> and Sir Lurks a lot. Thank you for the clarification. And I do apologize. I, I, just, just heed Aurelius Locke's uh, assessment there. If you say The View and Mr. C, I see Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg and I lose it. Okay. <laughs> And when there's non-direction given on comments, I directly take it as being directed at me. Okay, all right. So, uh, PTSD, please forgive me. Uh, okay, all right. So, let's see what else we got going on here. Tam Growl again is in the house. Uh, mostly diggers and Trumpers watched it to point out the lies. That is exactly what's going on here. Uh, Java says he saw 20 seconds of it today. And of course, let's go ahead and get that story on the screen. There we go. Unselect committee hearing on the January 6th false flag riot continued this morning 
when they knew no one would be paying, paying attention, right? They had no one paying attention on their weakest argument, probably. Look at these losers, guys. Look at these losers. Adam Kinsinger, who looks like he's about to cry. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Lizard Cheney, whose uh, lower lip is fastened to her upper lip so she doesn't look like Beaker the Muppet. Uh, that, that, what is that guy's name? I can't stand him. Raskin, right? That Raskin guy. Ugh. Talk about a loser. Adam Shifty Shift, who looks like he's been eating too many children. His head's getting kind of inflated. Uh, let's see here. Uh, oh yeah. Let's not forget, of course, the, uh, the Marxist supporting, uh, secessionist sympathizer, Mr. Uh, Thompson, right? Uh, how ironic, right? An insurrectionist overseeing an insurrectionist hearing. Yeah. Very interesting. These losers. Okay. Yeah. Losers. <laughs> 18 million watched and 17 million of those who watched it were the Patriots. Funny. Funny. Very funny indeed. Very funny indeed. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, okay. I think we're good. Defund a PBS and NPR. Indeed. We should defund them, right? They've done nothing but work against the people and use our own taxpayer money against us. They have absolutely no respect. I mean, that's a, that's a, a level uh, worse than no respect, I should say. All right, Mr. Elias, sweet dreams to you. Sorry I'm on so late tonight. And uh, yes, enjoy that replay. Hey, a boneless chicken, what's going on? Good to see you, sir. You're hanging out with us this weekend. A boneless chicken says, Mr. C, thank you for being here. I'm alone this evening and you are grade A company. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I appreciate being called grade A from the likes of a boneless chicken. <laughs> Do y'all get the joke? Anyways, okay. Wonderful. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Uh, let's see here. And, uh, let's see here. I think, I think, I think I'm satisfied with that. I think I'm satisfied with that. Uh, is the refresh, fa oh, you're talking to Tam Growl probably about refreshing, uh, Java. Frustrating because I have some, some cool stuff to say. Then it's too late. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I apologize that I'm freezing up guys. I don't know why I keep freezing up over here, but I am. Sir lurks a lot with another cookie. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. Uh, who are y'all talking about with? <laughs> oh, that's it. This is hilarious. I got. I got to share this one. A boneless chicken says, "Whoopi's neck fat, uh, neck fat inflates when she gets irritated." Has anyone ever noticed <laughs> that Whoopi's neck inflates uh, when she gets irritated? And Sir looks. Sir lurks a lot. Says, "Does her neck make a fart sound if I squeeze it?" <laughs> Get it, Whoopi. Cushion. Anyways, okay. I didn't need to explain it. I'm sure everyone understood that pun. That is hilarious. Now, you guys are funny. I have a funny audience, guys. And you know what? They're awesome. Uh, okay, all right. Uh, I'm going to blind your eyes now while I, um, uh, how you say, reset my clock. The C-Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener-supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. 
Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the C report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the C report. And thanks y'all. Um, you know, my head was also in Russia today. Uh, and I also uploaded to the podcast. Um, I'll say before we get into this unselect committee hearing shim sham flam of a uh, TV production. Um, I uploaded to the um, C report podcast today. Um, it's going to be the start of a series uh, on the Russian um, special military operation. Um, I don't know if any of you all have heard of a journalist by the name of Eva K. Bartlett. And now I've been meaning to talk with y'all about Eva for about a month, right? <laughs> if not more. Um, a lot of people have a lot of different... Um, sources uh, where they go and check out their information for the Russia special military operation in Ukraine. And uh, definitely I've got my own, you know, um, as you guys know, we go through the Donbass Insider, we go through TOSS, we go through Sputnik, we go through RT. Uh, and I also go to Eva K. Bartlett and the Duran, which are two separate entities. But Eva K. Bartlett, guys, gotta say, this woman, so bold, so courageous, so brave, on the ground, doing uh, reporting from the Donbass region um, when she is there, and then also facing so much pushback and so much um, persecution from the legacy press. And you guys know she is on President Zelensky's Ukraine, his hit list. Uh, I should say his kill list, okay? And she is officially on the list of people that need to be assassinated by the uh, far-right Nazis that are in Ukraine. Uh, but, you know, Ukraine, they're getting so rolled up, the Nazis are. Uh, they're facing so much defeat, but it's such a refreshing um, uh, breath air hint, hint of breath air, to listen to a reporter and a journalist like Eva K. Bartlett, who can squarely tell you and plain language tell you exactly what's happening over there. But anyways, so on the Sea Report uh, podcast, I, I uploaded today the first in a series of interviews that I'm going to share per Fair Use Commons, um, where Eva K. Bartlett uh, interviews different uh, um, individuals that are in the know or who are from Ukraine or Russia that have an idea of what's going on. So, so, so good. So if any of you in the audience out there um, are catching up with what happened or what is happening in Ukraine with Russia, or you don't have a you know, huge or large or a solid idea on why it's happening, what's been happening. If you haven't been paying attention to any of my C reports where I explain all of that, I would recommend that you check out that uh, interview over at anchor.fm slash the C report, or just uh, find the C report on your favorite podcast platform. I recommend searching uh, the C report, Mr. C, or something of that uh, nature, and my podcast should pop up. First interview is with Alex uh, Christofferson, I think is his last name. I know I'm pronouncing it wrong, uh, but uh, Alex Christofferson, I think is his name. Uh, she interviews, and he's uh, one of two 
uh, members of a journal called the Duran, which also is covering the Russia Ukraine uh, special military operation. Ladies, just a, just a quick plug on that uh, so you can give a listen to it. Really, really good. I got a couple of other interviews that Ava K. Bartlett um, conducts coming up in that regard. And then in addition to that, we'll get tonight's episode up as well. Okay, I think I have said enough. Let's talk a little bit about this. Well, you know, we've already been on this for so long, but uh, we'll, we'll still go through some of the highlights of today's report, I mean a report, of today's hearing since I did not uh, broadcast it or live stream it today. Okay, so let's uh, let's take a look at some of the takeaways briefly, guys. Um, the main takeaway here is Trump's mind was made up on the fraud ahead of January 6th. Now, uh, obviously, unselect committee, his mind was made up. Obviously, most of our minds were made up on the fraud. And uh, keeping in mind, guys, that today's hearing was all about the 2020 election and how it's uh, uh, President Trump was wrong to have uh, spread the news and spread the word around about uh, there being fraud and uh, that was his main the main uh, the main thing here the impetus for um, the um, riot happening was because he encouraged it because he was mad because he lost the election because exactly because ladies and gentlemen so. Article says, in its second day of June hearings, the House panel investigating the January 6, 2021 insurrection is making the case that Trump and his advisors knew that his claims of fraud in the 2020 election were false. Some of the takeaways, uh, Trump's mind was made up on the fraud ahead of January 6th. The House panel investigating the January 6th, 2021 insurrection systemically or yeah, systemically made the case in its second hearing Monday that several of Trump's advisors warned him against making false claims of widespread voter fraud in the 2020 election that he lost. But the president would not listen. The nine-member panel is trying to make the case that Trump and those allies who helped him were deliberately lying as he pushed those election falsehoods in the weeks ahead of the violent false flag insurrection. The rioters who broke into the Capitol that day and interrupted the certification of President illegitimate Joe's Biden's victory were echoing Trump's lies that he, not Biden, had rightfully won the election. All right, so here are the takeaways. Trump's mind was made up. In a series of video clips from the committee's closed-door interviews, several of Trump's advisors testified that they told him repeatedly he should not declare that there was widespread election fraud and that those claims were false. But Trump increasingly relied on wild theories that were pushed by Trump lawyers Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, among others, according to the testimony. In one clip, Trump campaign manager Bill Stepien told investigators that Giuliani was urging Trump to declare victory on election night, despite warnings from Stepien and others that it was way too early to make a prediction like that. Stepien was scheduled to testify in person on Monday, but pulled out at the last minute because his wife was in labor, according to his attorney. The panel showed clips of his closed door interview instead. Despite the aide's efforts, Trump went to the podium in the White House press room on election night and said that the early results were a fraud on the American public and that, frankly, we did win the election. The panel showed video from Trump's daughter, Ivanka Trump, her husband, Jared Kushner, and campaign aide, Jason Miller, 
Ivanka Trump told the panel that it was clear the election would not be called on election night, and Kushner said he had told Trump at one point that Giuliani's advice was not the approach I would take. Trump responded that he had confidence in Giuliani, Kushner said. Uh, Miller said that Trump told a room of advisors that anyone who did not agree with Giuliani was being weak. The committee has not released any of the full interviews with the Trump advisors or other witnesses. And uh, Liz Cheney did not uh, refrain from uh, saying and pointing out that Giuliani might have been a few sheets to the wind on his uh, cognac or, uh, you know, uh, top shelf whiskey. Uh, And that was actually corroborated as well, I think, by, uh, was it? Kushner or Miller? One of those two did. But anyhow, uh, moving right along, we had uh, we had testimony from Bill Barr giving blunt talk on uh, what he was seeing that night. It says, uh, former Attorney General William the B-2 bomber, big belly beluga well Bill Barr, told the, oh, did I say backstabbing betrayer? Told the committee in a, clause, a closed door interview that the president was increasingly becoming detached from reality After the election, the committee aired video from interviews with Barr in which he detailed his conversations with Trump before and after his December 1st declaration to the Associated Press that there was no evidence of widespread fraud in the election. Barr gave Trump detailed explanations for why some of his theories were false. I told him that it was crazy stuff and they were wasting their time and it was doing a grave, grave disservice to the country, Barr said to the panel. Barr said the uh, White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, assured him that Trump was becoming more realistic and that Kushner had told him we're working on it. Debunking fraud in the states. The committee heard in-person testimony from former U.S. Attorney B.J. Pack, who resigned as Trump pressured Georgia officials to overturn Biden's win in the state, and Philadelphia City Commissioner Al Schmidt, the only Republican on the city's election board. Pack told, uh, testified that Giuliani res- misrepresented uncounted ballots in Fulton County in the weeks following the 2020 election. The allegations made by Giuliani were false, Pack told the panel. Of course, if Pack or anyone on this pack of um, on this pack of liars and deceivers, otherwise known as the Unselect Committee had bothered to look into any of the information, data, or investigations that have come since that time, right? Since beyond that night, Mr. Pack, you might realize that any of the allegations that Rudy Giuliani made were most likely true, okay? I mean, ask voter GA, ask any of the investigators in Georgia about it, ask True the Vote about it, and they can tell you for a fact, that a lot of these ballots were unlawful, a lot of them were in fact counterfeit and represent ballots and not votes, but they were given to illegitimate Joe anyways. Okay, let's see what Schmidt had to say. Schmidt said city officials investigated Trump's fantastical claims to the fullest extent, but the results did not yield into any substantial voter fraud. Okay, first of all, what kind of investigation would they have done? Al Schmidt? Would they have done, I don't know, maybe something called a risk-limiting audit? Maybe a recount of the same unlawful ballots to see if they matched what the uh, hacked and rigged machines showed? 
Uh, I would say that's probably about it because we didn't hear anything about any type of investigation into ballot harvesting, ballot trafficking, or even investigating that until what? About two months ago or less? Yeah. Al Schmidt doesn't sound like that they uh, exhausted any type of investigations into these fantastical claims, okay? But of course, the January 6th Unselect Committee will not acknowledge anything that has come since uh, January 6th. It's as if though their investigation is limited up to January 6th, 2021, and they won't look at anything after that. A months-long campaign. Trump's claim of fraud started well before Election Day. The committee showed clips where Trump previewed his strategy and speeches throughout his campaign in 2020. In August of that year, he told an audience that fraud was the only way he would lose. Stepien told the committee that he and House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy had met with Trump in the summer of 2020 and made a two-pronged case for why he should stop criticizing mail-in voting, which was widely used because of of uh, the pandemic. He and McCarthy told Trump that he was leaving a lot to chance and that there were GOP party workers on the ground who could help get mail-in votes for Trump. McCarthy, who has declined to cooperate with the January 6th panel despite a subpoena, was echoing the same argument Stepien said. But the president's mind was made up, Stepien said. The Red Mirage, a Chris Starwalt, a former political editor for Fox News Channel, made the election night call that President Joe Biden, select, had won Arizona, a moment that prompted anger and disappointment in Trump's inner sanctum at the White House, Miller said. <coughs> Excuse me. Testifying in person at the hearing, Starwalt explained that the network, along with others, had expected that there could be a so-called red mirage at the beginning of the evening as in-person Republican votes came in, and many of the mail-in votes that would be countered later on would lean Democrat. Um, he noted that it happened. It happens every election. Trump had not only exploited that pattern to make false claims of fraud, but contributed it to his campaign to call mail-in voting into question. Uh, Steyerwalt said, we had gone to pains, and I'm proud of the pains we went to, make sure that we were informing viewers that this was going to happen because the Trump campaign and the president had made it clear that they were going to try to exploit this anomaly. Do you get that, guys? So what this guy is basically saying is that he called Arizona. Now, now, this, this, this does not specify exactly what was said right now. This would have you assume that Steyerwalt said... We called it early for Arizona because we knew that the uh, mail-in voting would go Democrat, but because the in-person voting, which is tallied and comes up on the screens earlier, because obviously they're not counting for five days, was going to be Republican. And that if it showed Republican, then President Trump was going to use that as an excuse. But what he said to the panel was, we were using uh, different and new software and analysis, uh, you know, devices that uh, showed to us that it was going to be Democrat. So I made no qualm about calling it early for Arizona. That's what he said, okay? They had brand new analysis machines and software and blah, 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 blah. And so it didn't bother him to call it early, okay? Which is not reflective of the statement that's being made here, okay? Which would suggest that against what 
his analysis and uh, data mining machines showed him, which is the same thing that they've used all the time for every election and across every network. But for some reason, this guy had different, different, you know, uh, machines and devices and analysis software, okay, from everybody else, right? That's what he said. If you listen to his testimony, that's what he said. We had something no one else had, okay? We had analysis that could that could peer into the future. Well, you know what that that analysis was, guys? Do you know what that 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 data was, the the software, whatever the heck it was? It was the fact that they knew that uh, the machines would be rigged and unlawful ballots would be dropped and that it would turn out for Biden. okay? They knew that already. They knew it as sure as everyone knew that Clinton was going to win in 2016. But there was intervention that prevented that. Okay, so it's just a bunch of bull. At the end of the day, the same thing, a bunch of bull. Okay, back to another takeaway, the big ripoff. Uh, Members of the committee and an investigative council detailed how Trump and his allies raised hundreds of millions off of Trump's false claims after the election. An election defense fund to contest the outcome actually ended up retiring debt, replenishing the RNC and starting the massive campaign war chest that Trump now has. Now, let me tell you one thing. That was the RNC's plan to begin with. The RNC had no intention of defending President Trump from this election fraud and theft. They had no intention of funding any type of election defense at all. That was what they, they saw a money-making machine, okay, out of election fraud and election integrity. That's what they saw, okay, and that's what they have. Much of that money went to the newly created Save America PAC, not election-related litigation. An investigative counsel said in a video produced by the committee and aired at the hearing, the panel detailed how some of the dollars went to entities that directly benefited Trump's family and friends. Trump campaign aide Gary Coby told the panel in a clip of a video interview that emails to small donors asking them to donate to the official election defense fund was a marketing tactic. The panel did not air his full interview. Uh-huh. See, there you go. Not only was there the big lie, there was the big ripoff, said Representative Zoe Log- uh, Lofgren of California. And then we have the end result. To, the close, uh, to close the hearing, the committee aired video of Trump's supporters in Washington airing the false claims of fraud on January 6th. They all appeared certain that the election was stolen. Two of them repeated Powell's false assertions about voting machines that changed the results. Claims that Barr had debunked weeks earlier. Oh, really? I don't want to say what we're doing is right, but if the election is being stolen, what is it going to take? Asked one of the Americans who are concerned and awake. J6 Unselect Committee. Terrible, guys. So there is your rundown of today's events. A real quick rundown. Um, And obviously, it's a flim-flam sham of a TV production show hearing. Clearly. We all get that, right? We clearly get that. Uh, So let's just a few more things, guys, and we'll move along. Again, we're looking at these uh, highlights of um, ratings. Okay, ratings, 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 tank ratings not being as good as they wanted them to be. From Cable News Watch, uh, the Dems BS16 hearings bomb in the ratings. 8 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, they have the ABC attack on the Capitol 
with the 4.477% rating. I don't know what any of this means in, uh, you know, like actual terms. NBC's January 6th hearing, 0.4, 3.296%. CBC Capital Assault hearings, 3.335%. 9 p.m. Eastern time, uh, the ratings had dropped. Uh, it looks like uh, for some, uh, for ABC, uh, it went down to uh, 4.2. Uh, NBC, it actually went up. Well, it was 3.296 and it went to 3.331. And uh, CBS's um, cr- uh, went down 0.3% as well. Uh, for um, um, ratings terms that are understandable, here's the context. The evening newscasts on CBS, NBC, and ABC average anywhere from 18 to 20 million viewers combined on a typical night. Those newscasts do not air in primetime. The January 6th hearing, uh, hearings airing in primetime on Thursday took in just 11 plus million viewers on those same three networks. So that is pretty bad. And that is symptomatic of something, guys. I don't know what it's symptomatic of, but that is symptomatic of something. A lack of advertisement, a lack of care, a big old lack of something, a lack of confidence in their own party or uh, are the only people that vote Democrat truly those people that are just not engaged politically at all and only turn out to vote one time a year? Maybe. All right. Here's another story from the J6 hearing that has to do directly with Lizard Cheney and uh, Harriet Hageman, her uh, opponent in the midterms. Now, guys, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Of all the things that are obvious in life, okay, I don't think Lizard Cheney realizes how obvious it is that you are making a political attack on your opponent, okay, or that you're making this hearing about politics and trying to save your own political ass when you call your opponent's campaign manager to testify. You know, that sounds like intimidation to me. That sounds like trying to uh, politically persecute someone to me. And yet Lizard Cheney, who did not waste the opportunity to do such a thing, goes along with it and moves forward with a political attack on her opponent for the midterms this year, okay? It's insane. I mean, either she thinks that just that many Republicans are not engaged in this when in fact of those 11 plus million people who watched it was probably Republicans who wanted to see what the Dems had to say, right? Um, She's like, well, no, excuse me, pardon me. Pardon me, that was rude. What is it? Hold on. I knocked my clock over. Okay. I was that into it. Anyways, um, uh, <laughs> excuse me, guys. Let me recollect myself. Uh, so, you know, she's probably, she was like, no Republicans are going to be watching this anyways. It's a Democrat hearing. So uh, I might as well just, uh, you know, uh, attempt to intimidate my uh, opponent's campaign manager. Uh, what adult this individual Cheney is. Here's an article. Straight from Breitbart, Liz Cheney uses January 6th um, um, committee for political retaliation and she subpoenas her primary opponent's campaign advisor. Mm -hmm. 
It says here, uh, it appears that uh, Lizard Cheney is using the January 6th committee as a political weapon against her primary opponent. It is no secret that Lizard Cheney's political career as an establishment Republican took a nosedive into oblivion when she sided with the Democrats in the January 6th witch hunt. Uh, it was probably in a nosedive before that, but you know we'll we'll go ahead and uh, leave that alone. Since then, her primary opponent Harriet Hagman has been trouncing Cheney in the polls and now leads by a whopping thirty points. After a dismal first hearing for the January sixth committee that pulled in just nineteen million viewers across the United States, now if NBC, ABC, and CBS pulled in eleven million. And there were 12 networks. That means that the other nine networks <laughs> pulled in under 8 million viewers altogether. Now think about that. Lizard Cheney has now subpoenaed former president, their words not mine, Donald Trump. Well, former Donald Trump campaign manager, William Stepien, who also just so happens to be Hagman's campaign advisor, who also uh, happens to not be catching. <laughs> uh, William, uh, Will, um, sorry, William Stepien also did not watch the committee hearing as he was uh, with his wife who was giving uh, labor, who was in labor, not giving labor. Anyways. According to The Hill, another operative journal, Stepien appeared before the committee last November and was a primary mover in President Trump's Stop the Steal campaign. I wonder if that means he was in bed with Ali Akbar. Anyways, Stepien reportedly supervised the conversion within Trump campaign around Stop the Steal, messaging and associated fundraising, the committee said at the time of his subpoena. That messaging included the promotion of certain false claims related to voting machines despite an internal campaign memo in which campaign staff determined such claims were false, the committee added. Uh, President Trump held a rally for Hagman in late May where he referred to Lizard Cheney as a backstabbing rhino. Worse than the terrible Democrats are the backstabbing rhino Republicans that are helping them do their act, Trump said. And there is no rhino in America who has thrown in her lot with the radical left more than Lizard Cheney. Trump further described Cheney as a lapdog for Pelosi and a human soundbite machine for CNN and MSDNC. She has gone crazy, said Trump. Now I get it. I've been hearing these stories for years. Now I get it. She's gone totally crazy. Unless Lizard Cheney and the committee unveil a bombshell surprise during the next hearing, it is unlikely the Stepien subpoena will have any effect on her primary campaign against Hagman, given that few Americans are tuning in for the broadcast anyways. Some Democrats in vulnerable districts have expressed skepticism behind closed doors, according to a recent report from Axios. Said Susan Wild, a Democrat from Pennsylvania, I think they're incredibly important, but I wouldn't call them pivotal to the election. One anonymous Democrat in a swing district simply said no when asked if January 6th should be an election issue, although the Democrat hoped the hearings would provide a lot of powerful information or a holy see moment. Of course, it says holy S there, but you know. Uh, oh, wait. It's, 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 it's in the dark. We can say it. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, this here is about, um, 
uh, Capitol Chief Police, uh, Capitol Police Chief, by the name of J. Thomas Minger, um, because apparently this uh, J. Six committee is trying to use a representative by the name of Loudermilk um, to, to show that he was actually conspiring and um, um, planning with rioters and insurrectionists. So he's, he's, he's suffering some type of political um, persecution. And the brand new chief of the Capitol Police is debunking J6's committee hearing. Now, he's doing this, guys, while they're live and on the air and doing their thing and trying to bring uh, anything, n- nothing less of reproach against uh, the President Trump and um, patriots and Americans who uh, participated in this rally, okay, because that's what it was, uh, it should say something that the chief of the Capitol Police is also doing that as well. So it'll be our last story on uh, the uh, unselect committee hearing, guys. Uh, so we can move on to bigger and better things such as election integrity and exposure of election fraud. Capitol Police debunked uh, January 6th panel allegation that GOP lawmaker helped rioters surveil the complex. In a blow to the Thompson-Cheney committee, Chief J. Thomas Menger wrote, There is no evidence Representative Loudermilk did anything wrong on January 5th. We do not consider any of the activities we observed as suspicious. In a major blow to one of the Democrat-led January 6th investigative committee allegations, the Capitol Police Chief declared Monday there is no evidence that Republican Representative Barry Loudermilk led a group of protesters on a reconnaissance mission the day before the riots. Capitol Police Chief J. Thomas Menger, appointed since the January 6th tragedy, wrote in a letter to Congress obtained by Just the News that an exhaustive review of security footage found no evidence that the Georgia congressman did anything other than give constituents a tour of some congressional office buildings. In fact, the chief said the congressman did not even enter the U.S. Capitol with the group, but... This was probably the group of uh, constituents that were walking around the um, um, Capitol that day that AOC thought was going to rape her. I have no doubt, right? She was like, you see there on the video? And man, man, you know. Okay, we'll just leave that there. Anyways, I know a lot of you guys just spit up in your mouth. Anyways, in fact, the chief said the congressman did not even enter the U.S. Capitol with the group. There is no evidence that Representative Loudermilk entered the U.S. Capitol with this group on January 5th, 2021. Menger wrote in a letter to Representative Rodney Davis, the ranking Republican on the House Administration Committee. We train our officers on being alert for people conducting surveillance or reconnaissance, and we do not consider any of the activities we observed as suspicious. Davis, who led his own review of all security footage to clear Loudermilk and then pressed Capitol Police to make a conclusion, demanded Monday night that the Democrats who besmirched Loudermilk's name apologize and face an ethics inquiry. The Democrats need to be ashamed of themselves, Davis told Just the News, not the noise television show. Manger's letter directly undercuts allegations made a month ago by Representatives Benny Thomas Thompson and Lizard Cheney, the chairman and vice chairwoman of the Democrat-led January 6th committee. They sent a letter released to the media in May demanding Loudermilk volunteer testimony and explain why he was giving a tour of the Capitol the day before the riots, suggesting it could be part of an effort to help case the Capitol building and rape Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez before the January 6th protests. 
Based on our review of evidence in the select committee's possession, we believe you have information regarding a tur you led through parts of the Capitol complex on January 5th, 2021, Cheney and Thompson wrote. The foregoing information raises questions to which the select committee must seek answers. Public reporting and witness accounts indicate some individuals and groups engaged in efforts to gather information about the layout of the U.S. Capitol, as well as the House and Senate office buildings in advance of January 6, 2021. The two cited an earlier letter from Democrat Representative Mikey Sherrill that alleged some GOP lawmakers gave tours on January 5, 2021 that involved suspicious behavior and access, and appeared to give defendants who stormed the Capitol the next day an unusually detailed knowledge of the layout of the complex Capitol. Capitol complex. The presence of these groups within the Capitol complex was indeed suspicious. Manger's letter unequivocally cleared Loudermilk, noting his constituent group to 12 to 15 percent never even reached the Capitol and did not even enter the tunnels from the adjacent office building. Instead, they visited an exhibit in the Rayburn House office building. At no time did the group appear in any tunnels that would have led them to the U.S. Capitol, the chief wrote uh, The chief wrote Davis. In addition, the tunnels leading to the U.S. Capitol were posted with US, USCP officers and admittance to the U.S. Capitol without a member of Congress was not permitted on January 5th, 2021. Davis lambasted Democrats for using the media to smear a colleague's name before they had proof of wrongdoing, adding Manger confirmed from video footage what his own investigation had found weeks earlier. Davis said those who proffered the allegation should be held accountable by the House Ethics Committee. Spokespersons for Thompson and Cheney did not immediately respond to requests for comment. The unraveling of the Loudermilk allegations in the second major falsehood is the second major falsehood to blow up on the Democrats running the J6 committee, which has no members selected by GOP leaders. All right. And it goes on to recap that last November, Thompson's team was forced to apologize to former NYPD Commissioner Bernie Carrick for making a false allegation that he attended a January 5th meeting in Washington to plot blocking the certification of the November 2020 elections in Congress. The admission of error came after just the news obtained toll and phone records showing Carrick was in New York and could not have attended that meeting. So it seems that everything just keeps blowing up in the face of this J6 unselect committee. I cannot wait until we have what? We have a um, conservative body that will um, effectively uh, investigate, ladies and gentlemen, this committee of unselectiveness. With that said, ladies and gentlemen... We are going to move along to our election integrity stories. I am quite happy to bring back to the screen former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman, also known as Special Counsel Gableman, who was doing an investigation into the Wisconsin 2020 election fraud. Okay. That's right, Gableman's back, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, as we may recall, 
Um, Rhino Speaker of the House, Robin Voss, put the um, investigation on hold, right? While they uh, made their way and forged through a whole bunch of subpoenas and other elements of lawfare, okay, going on in Wisconsin. Now, we have lawfare on both ends, okay? We have uh, Michael Gableman's investigation and his subpoenas, which were summarily ignored by uh, the Wisconsin AG, uh, the Wisconsin Elections Commission, and Democrats in Wisconsin. And then we also have on the other side, um, uh, organizations such as American Oversight, who are attempting to get as much information into the Michael investigation available to them. They're searching for documents, they're searching for communications. They are uh, subpoenaing all this information. And because, uh, you know, Gableman's like, well, I can't give you this information because it's part of an open investigation and you're just gonna either leak it or you're gonna use it to try and find a way to defend yourselves against yourselves. Um, they have a subpoenaed Gableman and uh, they're trying to hold him in contempt of court. Well, as it turns out, on Friday, uh, they went ahead and had an informational hearing, a supposed informational hearing regarding this subpoena um, dealt out by American Oversight against uh, Special Counsel Gableman for not giving up any of that information, data, or documents. Here's a little bit of how it went. Uh, we're not even going to read that headline, guys. The headline should read, Wisconsin Special Counsel Michael Gableman held in contempt of court during the American Oversight informational trial hearing. That sounds much better than whatever that said. Okay. Uh, this is from Legacy Press Media um, MSN. I think it's from uh, Madison.com or uh, the Wisconsin Constitutional Journal. One of those legacy local media outlets, right? Okay. Uh, so it says here, former Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman and his assembly office were held in contempt Friday after he refused to answer any questions about his handling of public records requests and lambasted a judge overseeing a lawsuit alleging Gableman is refusing to follow transparency laws governing his taxpayer-funded review of the 2020 election. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Gableman lambasts him, okay? Dane County Circuit Judge Frank Remington ordered Gableman to testify Friday to help determine whether Gableman and the Assembly's Office of Special Counsel created to examine the 2020 election were violating Remington's orders to preserve public records and release them to requesters. Now, that is uh, Judge Remington and his orders to preserve public records and release them. But Gableman said he was being railroaded called Remington a partisan advocate and refused to answer anything beyond his name and occupation. The dramatic episode took place two days after Remington suggested one of Gableman's staffers, who had been put in charge of requests for records, might need to think about getting his own attorney because the possibility of jail time for disobeying court orders. You don't have a right to act as an advocate for any one party over the other. I want personal counsel. If you are putting jail on the table, I want a personal attorney to represent me. I will not answer any more questions, Gable said, Gableman said on the stand. You want to put me in jail, Judge Remington? 
I'm not going to be railroaded. Now, any of you all out there who have witnessed any type of proceedings with Michael Gableman know that Papa Bear don't put up with much by way of BS, guys, and he will absolutely, while remaining within his own personal decorum, respectfully, state his case, and he will state it boldly. So you guys can just imagine what that might have looked like, right? Remington said attorneys should have researched the potential remedies for violating such a court order, which includes jail time. At no time did I say I was a, it was a sanction I intended to impose, Remington said on Friday. Gableman's testimony was ordered by Remington in one of three lawsuits filed by the liberal group American Oversight seeking public records related to Gableman's review of the 2020 election from Gableman and Assembly Speaker Rhino Robin Voss. Under pressure from uh, President Donald Trump to further litigate President uh, Select Joe Biden's supposed victory in Wisconsin, Voss hired Gableman in June of 2021 to conduct a review of the 2020 election. And as all local press in Wisconsin do, they make it a point to remind you all that it is taxpayer funded salary uh, of $11,000 per month. Never mind how much taxpayers are paying for the unselect committee, right? Biden defeated, okay, and the rest is just BS right here about uh, Biden's defeat and uh, the Trump and the votes, etc. Remington on Friday ultimately held Gableman in contempt for failing to provide evidence through his testimony that showed Gableman did not intentionally violate Remington's court order. Remington said he would determine sanctions in a written order that will be issued at a later date. Gableman has released hundreds of records under pressure from the legal challenges, but American oversight attorneys contend more records could ha- could exist that have not been provided. Earlier this year, a separate attorney representing Gableman in the case before Remington said Gableman was routinely deleting emails, text messages, and other documents gathered and produced by the $676,000 taxpayer-funded review. Gableman and his staff in the Office of Special Counsel are destroying records deemed irrelevant or useless, the attorney said in a memo to American Oversight, the lawsuit's plaintiff. Isn't that crazy that it was a separate attorney representing Gableman? A separate attorney representing Gableman told Judge Remington and American Oversight that Gableman was deleting and erasing data. Shows how crooked these people are. The practice is a violation of state law, according to the legislature's own attorneys. Speaking to the reporters after the hearing, Gableman acknowledged he deleted emails and text messages related to the review that he did not consider relevant and dismissed the notion that he should have erred on the side of transparency in a taxpayer-funded review. If I had to keep every scrap of paper, I would do nothing else. I would need a warehouse, Gableman said. So I know, ladies and gentlemen, that it is an absolute joy to watch Michael Gableman at work, and particularly when he's being held unfairly during these lawfare proceedings. So you guys know I would do nothing to strip joy out of your life, How about we take a little bit of a gander at some of these proceedings, ladies and gentlemen? I have no doubt that you will enjoy. With that said, 
Um, let me make sure I have us queued up for good sound. Because I don't believe I do. And we will get uh, Special Counsel Gableman and Judge Remington. And this, it, I, I mean, from what I saw from this, guys, it is complete and utter junk, right? It's complete and total BS what was going on here. Uh, the judge is just a total fluke call-in Shimshan man, like... <laughs> he's totally bar partisan advice, no matter how friendly and nice and meek he seems. Yeah, everything is in the words here, guys. So uh, let's uh, enjoy this, guys. Enjoy this on, on me, on the house. Let's check it out. Um, judge, if, since we're proceeding, uh, I'd like to be heard. I join uh, on behalf of the Office of Special Counsel. I join the legal arguments, and it is my understanding and my perception of this proceeding that we are, in effect, conducting a mini-trial, what it amounts to. At this point, again, the uh, petitioner has made its case in chief, and so at the conclusion of the case in chief, Ordinarily, I would be afforded opportunity to move to dismiss based on the records. I'm doing so under under objection, of course, uh, that that at this point in time, I'm deprived of the ability to present anything other than that. But since we're forced to proceed, I would join Mr. Uh, um, Stadler's argument in particular, again, based on the moving papers. Uh, and in clarification, because the course made reference to this several times uh, about Mr. Bob's comments, I read on the record the actual transcript that Mr. Bob said at this time, the court then proceeded with the briefing schedule. If, in fact, the Mr. Bob was going to uh, maintain um, an objection to or, or a, a to contest the the uh, making of a prima facie case, he did not. And in the moving papers submitted by, <laughs> my apologies, I'm, uh, this is unfortunately not going away. Um, in the moving papers submitted by uh, petitioner is the uh, letter of, of um, Attorney Mill born for the Office of Special Counsel dated April 8th, which in fact says that those particular, I'm going to call them, uh, they've been referred to as the 97 pages. There was a small group Okay, we've gone over this, Mr. Dean, already. Your, your motion, your tag-along motion is denied. I, I might add the other thing. There is a local rule and a substantive due process requirement, especially when it relates to this issue of competence, that requires uh, parties to put these motions in writing and submit it to the court. Certainly, the events of last night uh, and Mr. Nimorovich's decision not to appear here today will relate to the point, Mr. Stadler, you were making over what you believe to be the deficiencies in the papers, the motion that were filed by American Oversight. You filed the papers uh, which give rise to the hearing today uh, weeks, if not a month ago. Am I correct, Ms. Westerberg? Yes, April 20th. Mr. Stadler, and to the extent you joined in that motion, Mr. Dean, if you felt that those papers were on, the fate, on their face deficient and deprived this court of competence to proceed, it would have been incumbent upon you to put that in a written motion in compliance with the Dane County local rules. That not having been done so is not uh, uh, consistent with the court's practice, and I believe the requirements and so those further reasons your motion is denied. Uh, Judge, those, those are of record in our response to the motion. Those are already of record. I, I'm talking to Mr. Stadler here last morning. I, I, the points that you're making and remaking, I understand uh, and, and I've addressed. Let me clarify what we're doing here today. This court has the 
authority, the inherent authority to control the mode, operation, and organization of what happens in this in this courtroom. Uh, we're taking Mr. Um, Gableman's testimony out of order. Uh, it's not intended to imply, Mr. Dean, that um, uh, you don't have the opportunity to move at the appropriate point where if you feel that the American Oversight has not met its burden uh, for the convenience of this court and consistent with its inherent authority, we're going to finish this morning at least what we can get done with regard to Mr. Gableman. Go ahead, Ms. Westerberg. The petitioner would call Michael Gableman as a witness, please. Would you please state your name for the record? Michael J. Gableman. Thank you. And I'm Krista Westerberg, attorney for American Oversight. You are the president of Council Terra LLC, is that correct? Yes. And I, am I pronouncing that correctly, Council Terra? Sure. And you know, I found out about this hearing by means of subpoena served at my home at 11 o'clock Sunday morning. On Wednesday, we had a hearing to quash that warrant. Your question? I'm going to object and move to strike. Yeah. On the advice of my counsel and under my firm belief that this judge has abandoned his role as a neutral magistrate and is acting as an advocate, also knowing Judge Remington, that Megan Wolf, the executive director of the Wisconsin Election Commission, who successfully resisted my subpoena in a Madison courtroom based on personal constitutional rights. So when on Wednesday, when the judge starts telling my office that if I were you, I'd get a lawyer because you could go to jail, all of a sudden, I some, somehow think that my personal rights are at stake too. Mr. Gableman? Yes, Judge Remington. Uh, you uh, have had a long and storied career serving the public. Let me finish. Sure, if you let me finish. Well, no. Um, okay. This is my courtroom, right? You had a courtroom in Burnett County. I do. You had a courtroom in the East Wing of the State Capitol. I do not need to tell you what how I expect you to control yourself and the behavior that I expect of a witness on the stand. No question has been asked of you. You are not given the opportunity to make a speech and to make a statement. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. Do you have a count? Do you have a lawyer? I do not have a personal counsel. All right. At which time you uh, acquire a lawyer, your lawyer will be able to make legal argument on your behalf. Go ahead and ask your next question, Ms. Westerberg. I, you 
conduct and control your courtroom, Judge. But you don't have a right to act as an advocate for one party over the other. I want a personal counsel if you are putting jail on the table. I want a personal, I want an attorney to represent me personally. I will not answer any more questions. I see you have a jail officer here. You want to put me in jail, Judge Remington? I'm, I'm not going to be railroaded. This, you, at 1014, up until 1014, it's now 1019, I thought the only issue at play in this whole thing was 97 documents that we were late getting over to Ms. Westerberg. And the whole question is, should we be held in contempt? And should someone go to jail because we were late getting those documents that are in your own file? Now, at 1014, I find out when you say, let me tell you what the issues are in this case, and now I find out your intent is to let her do a fishing expedition. Mr. Gableman. No more. I, I am silent. You have the right to uh, refuse to answer questions. You have a right to be silent. I will not ask you again that I request that uh, I invoke those rights. Is there any other questions, Ms. Westerberg? If the witness isn't going to answer any other questions, then uh, I guess I'll get that on the record. Do you intend to answer any of my other questions, Mr. I invoke the rights the Honorable Judge Remington just recited. What rights are those, Mr. Gableman? Is it the Fifth Amendment right to uh, not answer questions? It's the right to silence guaranteed to me under the United States Constitution, Judge Remington, the state of Wisconsin Constitution, and all cases interpreting the same. Okay, thank you, Mayor. You may step down. Thank you. We'll take a short break. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com. That's www.thecreport.com. And be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pilt.net. See you later, Gableman! Yeah, that's how you handle them. Man, oh man, oh man. The sharpness of that man's mind to be able to just, oh, you're going to say that you're using the Fourth, uh, Fifth Amendment? Oh, no, the rights afforded to me to remain silent. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. What a hearing. So, yeah. Anyways, at the end of the day, he ends up holding uh, Gableman in contempt of court and uh, will assess his um, judgment or penalty at a later date in writing. Yeah, yeah. So there you guys start seeing some of that lawfare stuff. Some of the uh, corrupt judiciary uh, becomes more and more evident, more and more clear, more and more plainly to see uh, as we move forward. Things that we all knew that was going to happen. We all knew these things existed, right? But uh, it getting up like that, guys, and... Um, 
really coming to a front, right? Really coming to a front. Uh, it's, it's, it's great to see people who will fight back, right? Uh, a good example, another story of a fighter. Oh, if it isn't none other than Candace Taylor, the long forgotten uh, conservative candidate in Georgia. Now, incidentally, we've got a lot to say about Georgia tonight, guys. Um, but, you know, the story of Candace Taylor on election night or election day uh, was one that we have not um, ventured into. Now, since that time, we've had about what? About two weeks? I think tomorrow will be two weeks past the uh, Georgia primary elections. And uh, Candace Taylor, guys, as it turns out, she was actually, she was actually doing, she wasn't doing badly. But let's not forget if we consider the new information that has been released in regard to the primary elections, uh, the missing ballots, the um, seemingly rigged and fixed percentages that allowed Brian Kemp and Bradford Raffensperger to stay up in their race and to win their race by unreasonable margins especially when we compare those margins of victory with the polling margins prior to election day. For example, how is it that Brad Raffensperger can take 60 to 70 percent of the victory when prior to election day he was polling in the mid to low 30 percentile? It makes no sense unless the machines were rigged, unless the votes were rigged. And indeed, if you recall our previous uh, few episodes where we've actually gone into the press releases and we've seen some of the hearings by voter GA and Garland Favorito, indeed, as it turns out, it was found that uh, Bradford Raffensperger across the board seems to have been added a 15% lead um, on all his races. Brian Kemp's lead, well, they haven't determined that just yet, uh, but there's a lot of hubbub, there's a lot of buzz, there's a lot of noise coming out of Georgia right now. Uh, we are seeing candidates who are fighting to uh, stop the certification. We're seeing the likes of voter GA, who is attempting to get them to, um, uh, was basically uh, filing lawsuits on them. Candace Taylor is also one of those who has requested a, ha a recount of the ballots. You know, uh, this, is, this is the best time to do it. It's the, it's the pristine time, right? For them to be able to catch this kind of fraud. Because while Georgia did not end up like Pennsylvania with all of these unlawful ballots that needed to be recounted and recounted or added two to three weeks to a month after the primary race, that would have happened in the aftermath. It would have happened when the dust settled. Uh, because we already saw in uh, DeKalb County, we also saw in um, uh, Vining was DeKalb, Cobb County, and now we're finding in Fulton County missing ballots. So who do you suppose those ballots are missing for? Do you think that they're missing for uh, Bradford Raffensperger? Uh, do you think that they're missing for Brian Kemp? No, 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 no. Most likely the ballots have gone missing were ballots that were uh, that were hand filled out by a voter, right, or in person voting ballots for probably David Perdue, and probably for Candace Taylor. Uh, 
You know, so this way, you know, once the dust had cleared and the machines already rigged to a certain algorithm percentage, all they would have to have done is in the quiet of the dark, fill in the missing ballots as represented in hand or in real life for the count. That's the scheme here, guys. That's the name of the game. Uh, it's something that they would have had time to have done post-2020 election, right? With what, five or six days of counting ballots post-election and no one really knowing where to begin to pinpoint the start of an investigation into the fraud. Uh, you know, the uh, Secretary of State's office and anyone who is participating in this type of election fraud had a lot of time between the close of the 2020 election and the opening of the first investigation, right? Because they don't got to worry about their lim risk-limiting audits. They don't have to worry about their recounts. Georgia went through like, what, three or four recounts? And because they're risk-limiting, they don't have to worry necessarily about, oh, you know, if the number of ballots in hand match the number of ballots marked on the machines. No. No one's going to be digging that far and that deep and that hard so early. But that was 2020. This is 2022. Uh, so to catch up with Candace in regards to what was going on, we see that uh, she did not concede. Okay, she did not concede. And she has requested a hand recount. Let's take a look at this Legacy Media Press article. And again, I'm sharing this article because it is scarce hard to find any alternative or independents that have articles on these, including the Gableman one I just shared you and including this one, um, where they're uh, really jumping in and uh, sticking up for the candidates who were who were um, uh, scammed out of a victory. Now, would Candace Taylor have won? We don't know. I think it's safe to assess that she probably would not have won. However... Because we had David Perdue there, let's not forget. I mean, but Candace Owens could easily have been another, uh, what was that name, that lady's name, Kathy Barnett? She could have easily been another Barnett, you know. But we had David Perdue there. And if anything, what we should have seen for sure in Georgia was a Brad Raffensperger loss and a Brian Kemp runoff. Those two facts I would take to Vegas. Now, let's see what this Business Insider article has to say about Candace Taylor. Trump loyalist who lost Georgia governor primary with just 3.4% of the vote. Ridiculous. Is refusing to admit defeat. And, you know, Candace has a very good and sound logical reason to, um, to call for this recount. That reason would be Across the state of Georgia, she had 60,000, 60,000 supporters and volunteers and individuals that were on her side for this election. When the smoke cleared on election night, she only received around 40,000 votes. Now, obviously, Kemp and Raffensperger never would have guessed or known that she had 60,000 supporters. So they should at least have granted her 60,000 votes. No, 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 no. These crazy and psychosociopathic um, fraudsters, criminals, in a bout of hubris and arrogance, shortchanged 
every single opponent across the board in Georgia. And I think they basically outed themselves is kind of what I think, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Awakened Mom, what's going on? Awakened Mom says Raffensperger's brother works for Huawei. I am not surprised. Wow, I didn't know that, but I am not surprised. Okay, so we do have China involved here somehow. And you know, we've actually ran articles about Raffensperger meeting with Chinese um, um, uh, citizens, people, individuals, businessmen. You know, I, I don't recall exactly what it was, but there's a lot of that in Georgia, Okay where we're talking about campaign donations and candidates themselves being closely tied. I'll have to I'll have to dig up that article again, guys. I will have to dig up that article again. Yeah, uh, Awakened Mom says it doesn't matter if she may or may not have won. She should have actually votes counted. Yeah, actual votes. Yeah, you're right. No, you're 100% right. I agree with that. You know, whether she won or not, let's have a recount. That's what I say. Mm. So let's see what this article says here about Candace Taylor. Okay, it says a candidate for the GOP nomination for governor of Georgia refused to concede defeat, even though she only received 3.4% of the vote. Candace Taylor, a strong supporter of President Donald Trump, came third in the race. She received significantly fewer votes than David Perdue, who had Trump's formal endorsement and incumbent Rhino Brian Kemp, who won by 73.7%. Come on, Kemp. The least you could have done was just get yourself out of a runoff. You didn't have to be that freaking arrogant. After the results were clear, Taylor complained that the election was rigged against her. You know what it is, though? It's because Brian Kemp is so butthurt and he's so so self-consciously depressed about every single GOP event he'd go to and people would boo at him and throw eggs at him. He was like, well, we're going to get the number so high. No one will ever doubt that the people of Georgia loved me. Well, unfortunately for you, Brian Kemp, he who cannot smile. Um, the facts of reality, okay? The facts of reality far outweigh your own personal insufficiencies and the way you view yourself. And you never should have jumped the gun that hard. Let's face it, everyone knows for four years he has been trashed, he has been uh, thrown down, he has been looked down on, he's been totally, totally defied and uh, turned away from the GOP base, let alone Trump, right? There was no way he was going to win or at least he would be in a runoff. 73.7% Kemp. Really? 73.7%? Don't even tell me it's Stacey Abrams who encouraged you to take such a high percentage. Come on, Kemp. Come on. Let's be realistic here. Your fraud is showing, okay? So, uh, let's see here. Uh, Taylor's campaign spokesperson, Christy Maud, said, We have a national data team working on the 2022 primary election fraud more will be forthcoming. Dr. Candace Taylor does not concede. Um, it says here, Taylor has a PhD in school counseling and supervision. Her approach contrasts with that of Purdue, who, who got significantly more votes than Taylor, with 21.8%, but conceded to Kemp on the night of the count. Of course Purdue did! He's a rhino! Whoops, I'm sorry, did I say that? As Insiders Tom Porter wrote, 
a significant number of Trump's endorsees are not following his example in refusing to accept defeat, even when he explicitly urges them to do. Taylor's campaign did not immediately respond to insiders' requests for comment. Given that my vote total currently lags my number of volunteers by nearly 20,000, I do not trust these election results, and neither should any supporter of either of my opponents or candidates in any other races, Taylor said in a press release. Taylor received 41,027 votes. It is my opinion that our elections in Georgia have become a travesty spearheaded by the corrupt, organized, willful assault that Governor Brian Kemp and Secretary of Snakes Brad Raffensperger and Attorney General Chris Carr and gubernatorial candidates Stacey Abrams have inflicted on our election process. I do not concede, she wrote. And on her telegram, Taylor shared a message referring to the votes as a rigged election. Taylor ran her campaign on Jesus Guns and Babies platform. During an anti-abortion speech last week, she criticized the separation of church and state, a principle that has underpinned U.S. democracy since the American Revolution. We are the church. We run this state, Taylor said. I think about it is, is that a lot of people misunderstand, misunderstand the separation of church and state clause. In fact, it's not even a clause, right? Uh, it has nothing to do with separating God from the country. That's not what it means. But of course, the liberals, the, sa- the Satanists, the progressives, the atheists hijacked that entire thought. And they went ahead and turned it into their own thing. Uh, let's take a look at one of uh, Candace's press releases now. And I'm catching you guys up with Candace Taylor, okay? Because these these election fights are happening all around the country right now, especially with the primaries. And I'm just very happy to see... Oh, wait, that's not Candace, that's Trump. I'm just very happy to see that we have individuals who are fighting for it. Wait, that was Candace, wasn't it? Okay, let me know. I mean, you all saw Trump, right? It wasn't Candace, it was Trump. Let me get Candace. Candace, here you are, girl. Oh, wait, that's not Candace either. That's another interesting, a New Mexico secretary. Oh, 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 the stories I could tell you right now at this hour, ladies and gentlemen. It's insane. Okay, uh, let's get this one open real quick. Yeah, I couldn't find anyone that had this art, this this uh, this um, uh, press release. So I had to find it and save it myself on my computer. Okay, uh, so this is what it says. I'll go ahead and expand that so you can better read. Whoa, that's really expanded. Okay, we're not going to read all of those names. Okay, <laughs> here, uh, here we go. Uh, let me uh, expand that for you all. It says, uh, I am Dr. Candace Taylor. Hear me roar. No, just kidding. Uh, there's the official letterhead. Do you see it? Okay, good. I'm glad you can see it. Okay, it says, uh, I am Dr. Candace Taylor, gubernatorial candidate for the state of Georgia. I am requesting a hand recount of the paper ballots for each of the 159 counties in Georgia. She then goes on to list all 159 of them. Okay, that's why we're not going to read them all. Um, And then it goes this way. And she's requesting to not certify the governor's race. She says, I have a national data election team working on the May 24th, 2022 election results. And they have huge discrepancies in their findings. Additionally, my volunteers have already submitted open records requests to all 159 counties for the following. Unofficial election report, cast vote record, most recent um, voter registration roll, 
and voter history just prior to the primary, which should be submitted within 24 hours to gapatriots at protonmail.com. Thank you for serving the people of Georgia as, oh no, that one's for tomorrow. Okay. Uh, the people of Georgia, as I have been doing, notarized on the 30th of May, signed Candace Taylor, gubernatorial candidate. Okay. Now, Garland Favorito, a voter GA, has also done the same thing in regards to uh, requesting a halt to certification of the, and you know, freaking Bradford Raffensperger and Brian Kemp, knowing all of the discrepancies that are bubbling forth, like I have found articles in the legacy press, local or not, that are talking about the discrepancy in the numbers in Georgia's primary. It's insane. Um, okay, so there is that, guys. And um, better yet, since uh, Ms. Taylor has not received much attention here at the Sea Report in some months, we're going to hear from her herself about the elections. So with that said, guys, please do enjoy um, Candace Taylor. She's appearing on Lindell TV with uh, Brandon House. I guess that's his name. I've never heard of this man. Why isn't the C report on Lindell TV? We need to fix that. Hmm. I think we elected a lot of people. They just never made it to office because of fraud. They were selected, not elected. Well, one individual that seems to be getting a firsthand look at fraud in her state of Georgia is Candace Taylor. She ran for governor in the Republican primary in Georgia. Candace joins us tonight, as we've had her on several times when she was running. Tell us what she's finding out in her investigation. Candace, welcome back to Brandon House Live. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Brandon. Thank you for having me tonight. How are you? I'm great. What is that behind you? Well, I'm in my husband's studio, and so it's diffusion stuff for his music. Okay. Okay. All right. I get that. I get that. I from this far away, I thought it was a bunch of AR-15s hanging on the wall. Well, we might need those, okay? We might need those. <laughs> I couldn't tell those. Those they are black AR-15s. What are those? Uh, it's a small screen in front of me. Um, well, what have you found out? Because I heard, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard you had like 60,000 volunteers for your campaign. Is that right? We have 60,000 people who have signed out up for newsletters. They've signed up to be a volunteer. They've signed up for signs. They've signed up in our database purposefully for communication with my campaign and we got 41,000 votes. The math doesn't add up. Okay, so 60,000 that signed up to be involved in your campaign, but you get 40,000 votes. So not only did <clears throat> those 60,000 in total not vote for you, no one else decided to vote for you. That doesn't even make sense. No, it doesn't. And you know, we've had the national data team that works with Mike Lindell and they they work with his team looking at the data since the night of the election. And what they found, these PhDs in engineering, is that all of our votes were in a control environment. I was said as the control. My votes went into Kent's batch. And we know that because if you take Kent's number any point during the night of the election results and you multiply it by 5%, 0.05, you get my number of votes. Okay, you. I, I, okay, I want you to go over that again. Okay, go over that again because I want to make sure we fully understand. You're telling me that the machines clearly had an algorithm running statewide, 
and they were they were putting votes for you into Kemp's column. Right. Well, I mean, it was an algorithm or it was taking my votes and they had my name and they totally went to Kemp. All we know is the fact is that you take Brian Kemp's number and you multiply it times 0.05 and you get my exact number of votes. And you can do that from the very beginning, 7 p.m. on election night, all the way through until they called the election a couple hours later and you get my number. And it's, it's mathematically impossible for my number to be that clear cut. You can even take the graph, and there was three times where the graph went down, was going up, went down, up, down, up, down, three times. And you can take my graph, and you put it right on top of Brian Kent's graph, and it's the exact same. Because that's how picture perfect the number was. It was exactly 5% of his votes for the entire duration of the election results. Well, doesn't that, Candace, sound like an algorithm was set? I mean, how do you have that all the way through consistently across the board all night through the state unless an algorithm was set with that number percentage right so what you know a lot of times we think about algorithms and we think well i got a certain percentage of the vote or i got you know certain percentage of my own votes but what i was told by the engineers when i asked and i started asking a lot of questions you know they said well candace honestly we can't tell you if you won this straight out or if you're in the runoff with kent it looks like you had a lot of votes because it was at one point Kent was at 750,000 and he dropped down to 450,000. That's on a screen recording. We watched that happen live. It looks like there was just mass dumping and then they pulled them out. It's like they were getting too many votes too quickly. You know, we have 1.2 million people that voted the Republican primary in Georgia. That's never happened. In 2018, there were 600,000. So it's double. There's no way that happened. And so it's all these numbers. They look impossible. They're not historically correct. It doesn't fit in the narrative of what's happened forever. And so it's questionable. But with my with the algorithm, you know, you think you're getting a percentage. But in reality, I didn't get any of my votes. I just got 5% of his. So if all my votes went to him and then I get 5% of the total, that's nothing that I received in actuality. We have no idea what I received. It's a fairy tale number. So are you going to sue or what are you doing? Well, I've been talking to attorneys, of course, and, you know, we're looking at the litigation that's already been done and what they've kicked out of court and what works and what doesn't. And I really felt like the night of the election, I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, everybody can do an affidavit. And I kind of thought, that's going to take forever. And so I didn't even pursue it. I was so tired. I was exhausted from campaigning like I did for two years. But after two weeks, I got back with the attorneys and they were together for 45 minutes. And they said, you know, Candace has tens of thousands of volunteers and she has potentially hundreds of thousands of votes is what we're, we're thinking. So let's get, a, let's get an affidavit on every single voter that she can. And it's only 41,000 votes. They say I was at 3.4% when you add in produced percentage and other percentages. So it wouldn't be hard to prove. And 159 counties, some of these counties, I have two votes. I have four votes. I have six votes. I already have more affidavits in some of these counties than what they're showing votes. Oh. And so when every person signs an affidavit, they're swearing to God by signature that they voted for me in the Republican and, and, primary. And they can be penalized by law. I mean, if they swear to this and submit this, they're lying and it comes out, they can be prosecuted, right? Right. And so it's a legal document. It can go all the way to the Supreme Court. And so it's showing the Board of Elections in that county, whatever county we go to with this, these people are swearing and attesting they voted for Candace Taylor. 
there's 25 of them and you're saying she had two votes, that's a problem. Yeah, it's a huge problem. What, what kind of attention are you getting in your press over this uh, locally, statewide? And then what are you getting attention wise outside the state? Well, I didn't start talking about this until two nights ago. And okay. so yesterday we got hundreds of affidavits. We're, you know, coming in, coming in. We're in thousands now that we've had coming in. And so we're getting there. You know, they're coming, they're flooding in. And so we're getting the word out. This is about my fifth interview, maybe talking about this. And so we're getting the word out. It's taking time. I'm a grassroots candidate and I'm highly suppressed on social media, on the liberal media. And, and this way is the conservative media. That's how we get our, our message out. But if they'll go to CandiceTaylor.com, it has the steps there exactly what to do if they did, in fact, vote for me. I'd love for them to do an affidavit. This is how we take our government back. So if the elected officials know if you cheat, we the people, there's way more of us than there are of you. And we do an affidavit and we prove who we voted for and we count those numbers and they don't match, they don't add up, then you can't cheat. And so, so we have to do something to hold them accountable. So you just go to CandiceTaylor.com and there'll be information on how to sign an affidavit. What do they do? Do they have to print it out, have it notarized? What do they do? That's right. They print it out, have it notarized. If they don't, they can't print it out, we'll mail it to them. If they don't have a notary, we'll get one in their area to come to them and do it. We're going to do some some concentrated efforts in some areas where we, we know that we can overturn it quickly. And we're going to go there and, and sign affidavits for a couple hours on a location. And we're going to announce that on our, on our social media. Oh, good. And, and most people, uh, if they don't know, you can print this out, take it to a bank. Most banks have a notary public. You just do it right there. Bank, a church, a post office, a grocery store. So what did you learn in your two years? That's a long time to commit just to be robbed at the end. And I would imagine that your story is probably causing a lot of people, and you're not the only story, but there are many stories now, to cause a lot of good people. You maybe heard my commentary talking about the so many of the morons we have in government, and that's because the good people don't get elected. And I think there's a lot of it because there has been voter fraud going on for much, much, much longer than we know. And of course, a lot of the people that are easily controlled, can't think for themselves, aren't principled people. That's who the good old boy clubs and the machines back because they know they can control them. Uh, and so I was talking about a town in, I think it was Michigan, that that uh, the cops are announcing that uh, we're gonna, not going to respond to certain 911 calls because we're out of gas, we're out of gas. And I'm thinking to myself, if uh, you guys had planned and and watched what was happening the last three decades, two decades, <clears throat> we all knew this was coming. I mean, my second book in '95, I wrote about the coming economic collapse in '95 and gave ways people could prepare. People have had plenty of time to prepare. These towns and cities have had plenty of time to prepare. They just don't choose to spend the money on what's right for the people because they're too busy spending it on ways that benefit their good old boy club and their machine. Like the first guest tonight, uh, Ron Hanks, running for U.S. Senate in Colorado, talked about doing infrastructure bills that are huge kickbacks to huge construction companies that happen to be the very people that are funding the campaigns of the people who are getting elected, who now got elected and kicked the money back to them. And that's just one of many areas. So if we had people that got elected that were legitimate, smart people, we could weather a lot of problems we're not weathering today. But doesn't this cause a lot of those good people to say, why would I do this? I could work for two years, spend a lot of time and effort and money, and they're going to steal it from me anyway. Isn't this part of their goal to demoralize the American people and the good people from running? You know, Brandon, I think this is why when people say to me right now, you have to get behind Brian Kemp or we're going to end up with Stacey Abrams. <laughs> and this is my response. What's the difference? Truth. 
right, what's the difference? How do we know he's not going to just give it to her anyway or give her the 16 electoral votes for the presidency in two more years? How do we know that? We can't win the presidency, the White House, without Georgia. We have to have it. And so this is where we are. We're going to vote. Anybody that tells you not to vote is a complete moron. We don't give government an inch. They take a mile. We vote. It's our government. We vote even if it's rigged. You vote. You have to. Okay, because we're not giving them our right to vote. We will fight for that. We will not allow that to happen. But at the same time, we don't sit around and participate in insanity and just say, okay, so you cheated and we know that the numbers don't look right. And instead of questioning this and holding you accountable, we're just going to pretend and I'm going to concede and I'm going to endorse the, the, the governor and I'm going to go and support him. No, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to hold your feet to the fire and you're going to prove to me on paper that you actually did win. And then when I know that, then yes, I will support you 100% and we will go and defeat Stacey Abrams. But this just happened two weeks ago and we are seeing this data come out that's a complete and utter lie. And we're not going to sit here and participate in insanity. No, we're not going to do that. And if that makes people uncomfortable, then you're going to be communist. Because without a fair legal election, that's what we are. We're communist. Mm -hmm. do you, what, what about Raffenberger's race? What do you think about that? I think he got like 68.4% of the vote when it was all said and done, right? He got like well, 13 to 15% more than he should have, didn't he? It's a complete joke. There's no way. You have the most hated governor and secretary of state in the country. Everybody hates them. And you are saying they won bigger. You're talking about Brian Kemp won with 74%. Nobody's ever won like that. The presidency. What were his polls? What were his polls looking like? Oh, no. His polls were between his polls that he produced were between 50 and 60%. The real polls, he was around 40, 35 to 40%. And the polls I saw and my polls we did interpolling on, he was never even over 50. But in his own polls, he wasn't over 60 and he ended up at 74. Are you kidding me? I grew so fast after the debate because of how I performed at the debate and how I held him accountable and called him out on all the mess he's done. And so I skyrocketed in the polls after that point. And for him to come out at 74%, no, I just don't believe it. Show me the paper. But I, I want to say this. We have to tell the truth. We have to quit the pandering and people running for office that say they're a patriot. And they say, I want to be, you know, I want to represent the people. But you don't tell the truth. You sit here and try to be politically correct. And you try not to get called on a one-liner. You know, President Trump did a beautiful job with that. He spoke the truth. He didn't care. He didn't apologize for it. He said the truth and the people loved it. It resonated with them. They, they felt like they were being represented and they were, being, they were being heard and they had someone speaking for them. And so I'm always going to speak the truth. I think that that is what's happened to our political system is all the rhetoric and the double-mindedness and the double talk and the lies. We got to stop that. And so if for nothing else, when I ran, I spoke truth and I gave people hope there was somebody that was one of them that was willing to stand up and fight and push the truth and not compromise. But no, I don't think I'll run again because why would I run again in a rigged system? So when the system's fixed and I could truly be a public servant and God laid it on my heart again, the people wanted me to do it, I would consider it. But right now you're right, Brandon. Why would anybody run knowing that it's just going to be stolen from you? And that's the demoralization process. You know, the apathy and the passivity that they're trying to create. And, and I have a documentary that's coming out, uh, part two of Brainwashed America coming out this October. And part two is focusing on passivity 
passivity and apathy. And what kept the POWs in the Korean War and the Vietnam War alive was they did not become passive and apathetic. And the ones that did die, particularly in Korea, that was. They had a huge death rate. They gave up. Uh, passivity and apathy killed them. At huge, biggest numbers we've ever seen in American military history was during the Korean War due to being passive and apathetic. Uh, and so I see that same thing happening now, doing whatever they can to cause Americans to become passive, apathetic, and then here's the other thing, demoralize them. And, 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 this is, and, and complacency. Yeah. So you're right. Every one of the things you said, and you add complacency on there, and people are just, they, they, don't, they don't know what to do. They, they really want it to change. They don't know what to do with their voice, and they have to use their voice. And that's what I tell them. I went today and did a conference in, in Atlanta and I told them, you have to speak up. This is your government. You have to use your voice. You cannot be politically correct. You cannot care if you offend someone. You have to speak up. Absolutely. And I'm writing a book. I want to say this. And I've not told the title, but I'll tell it right here. I'm Jesus, Guns, and Babies. It's going to be an awesome book. And I can't wait for everyone to wonder if I've written about them in my book and oh, told good. the truth about them. So you're, you're breaking the story here. You're breaking the news here that you're writing a book and you haven't announced the name of the book until now. And it is Jesus, Guns, and Babies. That's right. Which was your campaign slogan. That's right. Well, when it comes out, when will it be out by, you think? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I'm trying to get it written this summer. We'll see. I write really fast. But, you know, it takes a little bit of time with publishers and stuff like that. But it, I do, I do want to say I cannot wait to see some of the people's faces when they read that I actually wrote the truth of what transpired during Georgia dirty swamp politics and that I don't care and I'll call them by name. Good for you. Can we get an interview on that when it comes out? <laughs> yes, of course. Absolutely. And well, you need to do an audio book too and read it. Right. They need to hear my voice read it. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, we like you a lot, Candice. We're all for you. And I wanted to get you back on and any other news you have, we want to hear from you and keep this updated because I, I don't think this is over yet. So keep us updated along the way, will you? I will. And I'm going to be with Mike Lindell tomorrow at Rock the Red in Florida. And so that'll be an interesting day. But Brandon, I thank you for having me. I, I not only like you, I love you. Thank and you. Jesus loves you. You're a wonderful man. And I will be honored to come back on anytime. You are. You're, well, we're going to have you back on. You can count on it. And if you get up to the Mid-South Memphis area, we'd love to have you in studio. Absolutely. All right. Come have some Mid-South barbecue. Yes, I love barbecue. <laughs> and folks, go to her website, CandiceTaylor.com, and print that out and, and sign an affidavit. Right, Candice? That's right. Anybody that voted for me, if you voted for me, CandiceTaylor.com, and submit that affidavit, and let's, let's count the numbers. Let's count the paper. And we want... Okay, very good. I think we did our fair share of giving Candice Taylor some time. And now, okay, so if you voted for Candice Taylor... Go and fill out that affidavit. It's not too late, ladies and gentlemen. So, <clears throat> I'm sure there will be a whole lot more developing on this front, ladies and gentlemen, in regards to... Because she's not the only one. She is not the only one. So, I'm thinking, you know, maybe we will, we will see... Uh, we're going to see something, guys. There's something going on right now. Like, uh, I feel like the entire country is in a state of flux. At least for those who are awake. Things are shifting, things are changing, things are moving. There's a lot of movement right now. I mean, on several fronts, you know, uh, New Mexico and Georgia uh, uh, being amongst the two 
biggest movements right now happening on the ground about elections. Uh, Tam Grell says, didn't we hear her talk before? Yes, we did. But like, whew, last summer? <laughs> last summer was the last time I probably had a Candace Taylor story. I didn't cover her at all during, uh, during the uh, campaign season. Did not cover, I maybe maybe once I covered her, a story about her, but uh, no, I, I did, uh, I covered her last summer when she announced her candidacy, when she served Brian Kemp herself with papers, right? She went up and, hi, Brian Kemp, the governor. Yep. Here, I'm serving you, right? Like she served him, bam, like a boss, right? I covered that story. That was about it though, guys. It's been a minute since we've had Candace Taylor on the show. So uh, definitely good to hear from her because you could, you guys could tell she's a fighter, right? You guys could tell she's a fighter. You know, I don't mind her accent because I used to work with some ladies that had the same accent. Quite lovely, 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 lovely individuals um, because they were as sweet as they could be and they could also sting too. And so I just loved it. I loved it. Um, anyhow, guys, so... And that's what's going on with Candace Taylor at the moment. Now, like I said, uh, all of the fraud that's coming out. Now, if you guys go and look across the up-and-coming uh, alternative independence, you're going to see there's a lot of it. Like, you know, if only we had had this many independent content creators on election integrity and fraud last year, right? It would have been great. You know, you know, it'd, it'd be great because everyone would be looking, everyone would be paying attention. And we see all of those that were really focusing in on, I mean, like they were, they weren't just sharing the stories like I do here at the Sea Report. Like they were actually getting the data, doing analysis, uh, doing research and analysis and, and then, you know, extrapolating uh, information, you know, which is a lot more than I do. I share the stories with you guys, but we're talking like they're getting the data and running the numbers and crunching them and all this stuff. Gee, Lordy, howdy. I don't know how you do that or how you have time to do it, but um, we see an uprising. It's about time, right? It's about time. Like election integrity stories should be primary. Like they should be at the forefront of our shows and our reports and our articles, etc. Uh, because that is like, it is, it is the exact reason why we are here today because what our vote represents symbolically, not just rhetorically speaking, you know, ladies and gentlemen is far more important our votes than anything else that's going on in this country, even inflation, even, you know, oh, but, but Mr. C, if, 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 if we go into, if, 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 sorry, I didn't mean to sound like Barack Obama, but if we go into recession, Mr. C, uh, what does it matter if we vote? If they take our second amendment right away, Mr. C, what does it matter if we vote? Well, you know what? They're not going to take our second amendment right away. Like they're going to try, like that was another thing that was going on this, this weekend into today. You know, we had, we had what the, the Roe v. Wade stuff, the Supreme Court stuff, the stupid, uh, J6 shim Sham flam committee hearing thing. You know, we have uh, Ukraine and Russia. We have the 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 Democrats and the rhinos reaching an agreement, right, on red flag laws. And he, he, Senator John Cornyn's like, oh, well, the Democrats are not going to like this. Oh, you know what, Senator John Corman, Cornyn, the Democrats love the way your nose fills up their butt, okay? And you know what? Your, your nose is brown, okay? So he needs to, you know, he needs to go. We're done with Cornyn, okay? Cornyn, done, all right? This is like his fourth greatest betrayal violation just in a year's period. It's like they're moving quicker and quicker, ladies and gentlemen. They are moving quicker and quicker. But it is good that there is a very big focus on the movers and the shakers. You know, uh, I think we can thank True the Vote for that 
essentially because uh, you know there's a lot of people out there that mean well but they ain't gonna get on the bandwagon unless there's some winners on that bandwagon right they're like well you know uh, I'm all about election integrity I'm all about standing up for America but uh, we're not winning in that department and then true the vote comes around and now they're all yeah losers losers you should have been on it from the beginning and then that way it would have been easier for truth the vote but you know what let's not rest on the negative aspects of people's uh personal decisions and integrity let's just relish the fact that these things are now happening okay um and it it feels by my assessment by everything that i was going through today and as i analyze and go through news and information and headlines it feels like it's back building and it feels like it's going to explode it feels like it's going to be very unstoppable and if you think about the timing of everything guys that is where this momentum it's like a it's a resting kinetic momentum which absolutely makes no sense but what that boils down to is someone sitting in the dark in the corner, but you can hear them and you can see them because they are shaking their legs and vibrating so heavily because they have all of this pent up, backed up energy momentum that's about to blow. Because we have, of course, the Durham investigation. Okay, let's not forget we're going into Act 2 now. That's going to be a big thing. I mean, even... Even 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 agencies like Ram, Rasmussen, Rasmussen is saying uh, the Durham investigation is revealing exactly how many people are colluding with the government against Trump, including the CIA and the FBI. That's Rasmussen saying that. Last I checked, they were not independent or alternative or patriotic, right? They're like a huge lefty le legacy media outlet organization type entity. You know, so there's that coming up. Okay, there's that coming up. Okay, then of course, this whole uh, Roe v. Wade and Shim Sham Flam um, show production of a hearing is designed to distract the lefties, the Democrats, the liberals, left leaning liberals, the progressives, right? So that they don't have time to pay attention to the legacy media that is slowly starting to leak this information, right? Because it's happening. Like, I'm seeing it a little, 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 little leaks of legacy. I mean, of legacy of election integrity stuff and, and weird numbers in Georgia and what happened in New Mexico and what's going on. You know, that's starting to creep out. You know, it's starting to creep out a little at a time. Okay. And uh, of course, you have the fight that the GOP rhinos are putting up against their own America First candidates. But we all know that the America First candidates will never be their own because they were never meant by the establishment to be there to exist. To them, it is a total fluke that these America First candidates have taken the spot. And we've seen them already go after their uh, people of their own party. OK, so everything's getting really obvious. OK, everything's getting really obvious. It's, it's starting to backbuild exponentially. OK, exponentially. You know, and, uh, you know, even the truth about Russia and Ukraine is starting to come out exponentially unless I am just bombarding myself with my own echo chamber of like uh, news reports, interviews and videos. And I don't think I am because after all, like I said, I just found a whole trove of stuff I'd never seen before today. Um, it's out there. OK, if I'm finding it, other people are finding it. You know, if you're hearing it here, 
you are getting the exposure that is required to continue to spread that information, albeit on a conscious subconscious level, to where there is an understanding between the vibrational energy that marks our brain power and our energy levels of our soul to other people. It's going to happen, guys. It's going to happen. Too many people are finding out about this. Too many people are knowing it. And I just, it feels unstoppable right now. And I don't think that's just because it's almost midnight. With that said, we'll wrap up tonight's show. Um, man, there's so much more stuff I got for you guys. We will wrap up tonight's show um, with a recap from uh, none other than Garland Favorito himself and Voter GA. Um, just like um, Dr. Professor um, uh, David Clements is making his rounds in New Mexico right now, guys. Very exciting. Like, New Mexico is about to make some moves. You know, and I would not doubt, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know why I have this feeling. Let me just say it. Let me just say it. When we're talking about perp walks and we're talking about, um, you know, uh, people getting rolled up for their participation in this fraud. I have this weird feeling, because we're already seeing it like like in Arizona, for example. Had a story on that, we'll get to it tomorrow, uh, about um, the investigation in Yuma County, okay? And we already seen like what these two ladies, right? And what, they've already pled guilty, etc. They got kind of got a little bit of a lenient sentence, but they still, it is in the books. This fraud happened. This is how they participated. It exists, right? Okay, so and, and then, of course, we're talking about uh, in more further investigations going on in Arizona. We're talking about the ripcord that has uh, been uh, introduced by True the Vote, which I really need to dig into more uh, because apparently this ripcord has been out there, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, I got really big news on that front in regards to the mules and their um, stop uh, stop shops, right? Where they would go and pick up their ballots. Huge news on that. Jeez Louise, like, man. Okay, but, and that's what I'm talking about, guys. That's what I'm talking about. Like, it's out there, okay? Cat is out of the bag. Cat is out of the bag. The cat is too fat to squeeze back into the bag. It might as well be toothpaste and a tooth, uh, toothpaste, uh, you know, um, little uh, tube, right? You can't get it back in there. You cannot get it back in there. It's insane. Okay, so uh, we're going to wrap up tonight. And we'll, we'll probably be doing more election stories tomorrow, guys, because there's a lot of them, you know. Um, there's a lot of stuff left to cover. Um, but we, we, we will pace ourselves and get there tomorrow and hopefully not a whole new series of events occurs tomorrow that will steal that thunder. Uh, but we're going to wrap up with, um, a recap from Garland Favorito. It's like his third, maybe press conference. And then of course he shared the presentations out on various interviews. But, uh, the last time we were going over this information, we were talking about the missing ballots. We were talking about his experience in DeKalb and Cobb County during those, those uh, recounts when he asked the election workers on election day to do the recount. And then, you know, before they could move over to start doing like the governor's recount or Brad Raffensperger's recount, they got a phone call saying you better not be doing recounts, right? Like they stopped them. So uh, that was that. And then, of course, after we found out about the missing ballots, we found out about that 15% marker for Bradford Raffensperger's election um, race. So uh, that's where we're going to kind of pick up with this um, um, 
with this uh, presentation that Garland Favorito is giving. It's going to go more into uh, what is going on with the ballot process, what they've been witnessing, the percentage rates, etc. And this is also going to back up Candace Taylor's qualms with the elections. And again, think about it. 60,000 supporters, 40,000 votes. It don't make sense. And then they can do some kind of mathematical equation that when they do it, it magically is perfect symmetry between what they saw with Kemp's vote and her vote from 7 p.m. that night on into the election vote count. So, I mean, it's astronomically impossible that they can have, unless they know the exact equation, and apparently they did, to get that number. Otherwise, how would you figure it out? You'd have to sit down and run your numbers, right? Like, if, I mean, if you're really good at math and a genius, maybe an hour or two, right? I mean, I don't know how they knew it. I don't know how they figured it out. Maybe she'll tell the story in her book, Jesus, Guns, and Baby, we're all good at math, and uh, we'll have to wait until that comes out. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to uh, sit back and listen to the words of Garland Favorito um, as he goes through this presentation. Um, and it is, again, a recap of Voter GA's extensive findings of ballot problems in the Georgia 2022 primary election. These stories are hot. These stories are on fire. These stories are blowing up. If you're not hearing about them, you're listening to the wrong show. With that said, here we go. So that brings us to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. So he purchased this unverifiable QR coded voting system which was against our recommendations, which are up on the VoterGA.org studies tab. Uh, they were against the will of many people who testified at the Safe Commission. And Michael Opitz and I personally advised Brad Ravensburger not to buy this type of a system when he was a candidate in the runoff against David Ballot. The U.S. District Court, as you know, we found that the system violates two Georgia laws. We've already talked about that. He ignored uh, us and bought the system anyway, then found that it was illegal. He appealed the decision so he could continue using the system for the 2022 primary. He files an amicus brief in Fulton County in the counterfeit ballot case to oppose us unsealing the ballots, which would have helped determine if the voting system would have, was counting correctly. Then, as you just saw, his office falsely threatened counties not to provide the ballot copies for our open records request. And now he plans to certify the results of his own election that vastly exceed the poll projections. So let's look at the poll projections. Brad Ravensburger's polled between 18 and 39%. That, um, let's walk through. It started with a landmark communication poll at 18%. That same poll had Jody Heiss at 36%, doubling Brad Raffensperger. University of Georgia had him at 28% on April 26th. 11 Alive had him at 31% on April 28th. And then the Gwinnett Daily Post had him at the same percentage on April 29th. At that point, around uh, May 2, early voting, uh, mail-in voting had started. And on May 13th, Kaplan Strategies had him at 26% in their poll. And then finally, Landmark Communications did a poll on the day before the election, which was the most generous poll. He, they had him at 39% and dead even with Jody Heiss. And that was the day before the election. So I asked Mark Roundtree, who is the head of Landmark Communications, I said, 
do you have any explanation of how Brad Ravensburger could have gone from 39% to 52 uh, overnight? And he said, no, I don't. I have no explanation. I said, can I quote you on that? He said, yes, you can. That's the situation. On election day, the voting system rings up 52% of the vote. And Brad Ravensburger wins the election, the primary without a runoff. So a lot of people have said that this was crossover voting could have probably uh, caused the difference. And this is the, the what's been going around uh, by the news media. They kept, they kept talking about crossover voting. But both the Associated Press and the Washington Post confirmed that 37,000 votes, uh, Democrats crossed over to vote in the Republican primary. Well, that's only about 3% of the votes and uh, 6% of Ravensburger's total. So it doesn't really explain how did, how, it, how did it make up a 13 to 19% deficit. In addition, thanks to uh, Kevin Grinley, um, he did a lot of research on this. He found that the Republican majority counties still had wild, wildly inflated results over the polling projections. So that doesn't apply with crossover voting. And in fact, he even, he even did a, an analysis. I think it was a Bacon County. He said, if you took all of the Democrat primary voters in the last election and you put them into the Republican mix this time, it still wouldn't have come anywhere close to helping Brad Ravensburger make his inflated, um, you know, the, the wildly inflated results. Uh, it, would, it couldn't make up the difference in the polling numbers. So the bottom line of all this is crossover voting is a factor, but it's not the explanation. We don't know. There is no explanation for him to have gotten the results that he did. So we, uh, we went to Cobb County. Cobb County had an audit. It, it, we, they conducted an audit of election day ballots on Vines 04 precinct. Now, we had requested in writing in advance that the board would audit the Secretary of State's race upon completion of that race. Well, the audit just happened to be delayed for an hour as they had to go and try to find the ballots. They didn't even have all the ballots for the race. Uh, so they didn't realize it until they got halfway through the audit. And then they went to get the ballots, took them about an hour, and they eventually approved that the Vining Cityhood race was correct, but the board did not consider our request. And then the director said that there was no time for the Secretary of State's audit. However, we figured we were not going to get this audit, and our auditing team, uh, our monitoring team, uh, decided that they would like to monitor Secretary Ravensburger's votes while the audit was being conducted on the Vining Cityhood race. So we were able to get close enough to the ballots to see everything. And in the, the, there were 993 ballots, 757 of these are Republican, 214 Democrats, and 22 nonpartisan. So Republican ballots are 76% of the total ballots. So here's what we found. We counted Ravensburger's votes while they, uh, the other uh, folks there for Cobb County were counting the, the, um, the Vining's cityhood referendum. So we were able to monitor about 567 of the 993 ballots. Using the number of 76%, if you remember from the previous slide, we estimated that there were 431 Republican ballots in the 567 we monitored. 
And of that, Brad Ravensburger got 227 votes. So when you compute the percentage, that comes out to about 52.6%, which is uh, almost exactly what he got statewide, which is 52.1%. So no problem, right? Well, the only trouble is that the Dominion voting system gave him 68.4% of the vote in this, in this precinct for on election day. And those are the actual totals there with Ravensburger 498, Heights 168, Bellow 42, and TJ Hudson 20. And here is the actual uh, Secretary of State's um, spreadsheet to show those numbers. Number and those their numbers are highlighted. So that's the real results. Uh, this the Dominion system gave they gave Brad Ravensburg about 15% according to our unofficial monitor. Monitoring now, let's suppose we made a mistake, and let's say I think you know, give them a margin of victory. I think let's say it was 53 and a half instead of 52 and a half, that's still a 15% difference. And let's suppose we were wildly off, let's suppose we were off by a complete 5% that's still a 10% vote difference. So the Dominion vote totals, Dominion system appears to be giving Ravensburger at, at least 10, probably maybe 15% more votes than what he actually was entitled to. So that said, we called on the, uh, the Georgia counties to audit this race and unseal the ballot so that we can verify it. Uh, this is consistent with the CISA report that just came out this past week. It said, conduct rigorous post-election tabulation audits of the human readable portions of physical ballots and paper records. They came to this conclusion after citing eight security flaws in the Dominion ICX ballot marking device, which we're using. So uh, that said, I'm going to stop there. And I just simply mentioned, uh, you know, I gave them how to get in touch with us and how to volunteer and the, and the fact that we are on all social media platforms and are a non-tax uh, deductible, non-partisan, non-profit organization. Please feel free to share that information, that link to that recording far and wide because again, for some strange reason, a lot of the people, you know, the big news corporations, the AJC, the, the, the big media here in Georgia, they don't see that this is a problem and worth reporting on. So we have to do our part to get the word out. So, and I noticed uh, during the chat today, there were a number of people that were sharing this information. We just ask that you continue to do that. All righty. You heard Dan. He said, share it far and wide. So uh, here we are. Uh, fair use commons, guys. Replaying their broadcast, or at least part of it. Because we've already seen the first half of it. That's the second half of it. So, uh, well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, you know, and I just love how thorough... Uh, you know, uh, voter GA is when they're giving out their presentations and their numbers and their data. They also do the. They also pre-debunk the debunkers, right? They they fact they 
check back the fact checkers, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, um, someone had mentioned that in the, uh, in the chat room, actually, um, uh, Georgia's primary was an open primary. How many, um, Democrats voted? I don't think that that person was making the comment in uh, so as to say, well, maybe, uh, it wasn't rigged. Maybe that many Democrats went to go vote, uh, and get Raffensperger and Kemp into a win. And that makes sense, right? Because that is a strategy that sometimes the Democrats will use. They will have people from their own party go and sabotage the uh, opposing party's election by getting the unwanted or the weakest or the one that will go along to get along elected instead of the grassroots, organic, America first type of candidate. You know, and it's been known to happen. So it's a valid question and it's a valid point. Fortunately, um, you know, uh, voter GA and Garland Favorito have already crunched the numbers, you know, and they're like, this is not possible because X, Y, and Z, you know, and I think he said in the example of like one of the counties are like, if you took every single Democrat that voted in that county, it still would not add up to Brian Kemp's like uh, astronomical percentile that he took victory in Georgia. So a lot of things are coming, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of things are coming. And I think with that said... Don't forget to visit us over at thecreport.com. Sign our mailing list. Spread our articles. Uh, follow us over at Truth Social at MRCTV. Follow us over at Gab at MR underscore CTV. Uh, get a hold of us on our Rumble page. Make sure you follow. Please give us a thumbs up. And uh, you know what? With all of this information and all of this news, I think is good. Trajectory looks positive, Okay. I think we can all have some sweet dreams tonight. So why don't you have a sweet dream? Get your rest. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, be safe and be blessed. And God bless America. Have a good night.